0: Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.
1: What in the hell do you think you're doing? Hey. John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to
2: walk, do it now.
3: Hey everybody, we're all gonna get late. And again, it's picked up! It's Darius Leonard, a pick six for the
1: Maniac. Touchdown, I N D Y. Yes, sir. John, uh, oh, a double time. Miles Turner. Yeah. John. I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Right, so
4: I was entertained last night, right? And you know me, I don't really get into the officiating on the college level or the high school level, anything like that. My wheelhouse is making fun of the NBA officials. I love that, and I'm never going to stop that. In fact, it's, it is it, it is a hashtag when we're watching NBA together, whether it's a Pacer game or something else, it is hashtag the best in the world. Um, so I look at last night, and I would love to sit here and rail on the end, and maybe even more so than that, rail on the travel that led to the, the back-to-back technicals that ended up leading to boo Booy knocking down four consecutive free throws, which, as it turned out, for IU, certainly, and for Northwestern, too, that was incredibly large um, as that game was tight. But I can't get past this, and I'm going to go ahead and and let Trace Jackson Davis kind of lead the way on this. And, you know, we've talked about him. He had been in the crosshairs so many times over the past three years about what IU fans thought he was and what IU th- fans felt that he wasn't. It was more about what he wasn't compared to what he was bringing to the table, what he was, what he meant to that team. And and now, on the floor, you see it. Now, on the floor, you see it. You see him going out there and, and struggling in the first half, coming out there and just being lights out down the stretch. The weight of the entire team on his shoulders. So, Obviously, we have dispelled any conversation regarding that. I mean, even the the hard-ass of the IU fans out there that are irrational as hell can even understand that. But here's what I loved. I loved after the game, when he was asked about it, he blamed himself. He blamed himself. He said, hey, listen, if I don't have a first half where I'm non-existent, I'm paraphrasing here, then maybe we're not in this situation late. And you don't have to rely on an official's call. I got news for you. If you rely on those blowing the whistles, that's going to be on you. And I would love to sit here and make fun of it. I would love to sit here and say, well, that was the reason why they lost. There's no doubt Boo Booey put a shoulder into Trey Galloway. He was trying to create space to get that final shot off, which was true, and they win. That's what he was trying to do. I think anybody else would have done the same thing. You just kind of leave it up to, at that point, the officials either to make a call in that moment in the game? Probably not. And they didn't. And that's where it is. But I get back to what Trace said after the game. He said, hey, I, I got to have a better, more rounded game. I, I've got to be out there playing and participating and producing in that first half. I'll tell you what, everybody always talks about leadership this and leadership that, and sometimes it's fake as hell. Sometimes it's incredibly phony, and oftentimes when people talk about it, they have no idea what they're talking about. I just thought, as far as this team was concerned, and when Don Fisher and I chat every week, you know, one of the evolutions of, of Trace and his game where obviously he's among those mentioned for collegiate player of the year and should be, it is also what he has done leadership-wise. And yeah, I thought last night, I'll just follow what he had to say. You got to have a better first half. You don't get down 21 points. You don't have to work your way back. And I use not a team that can easily come back from a double-digit deficit. They just don't frequently enough use the three. And I mean, the reason why they don't is because they're not good at it. That makes it incredibly difficult to come back. Think about what had to take place for them to come back. I mean, really, Northwestern had as crappy a second half offensively on that end of the floor as IU had in the first half. Like, I don't know what was going on at that end of the floor I'm just joking here. I know there's nothing going on at that end of the floor, but let's just say it for the heck of it here. I don't know what was going on at that end of the floor, but it was not conducive to high-level offense. Nobody could do anything except chip the paint off the rims on that end. And with Weston, you're hot in the first half. You go to that end, what do you shoot, like 30%, something like that? Ah, you, you're you terrible in the first half. In the second half, you pick things up on the other end. Yeah, that, um, that side of Welsh Ryan Arena was an absolute offensive mess. But without you in mind, this is something we talk about all the time, the support for Trace. He needs support, and he does. It would be great if you could find just anybody, anybody consistently to hit a three, to space things out. I think one of the more impressive things that I saw in that game last night from Trace Jackson Davis in the second half, you watch, you go back, he he was... (laughs) He was going into double teams and still shooting. I mean, it was all on his shoulders right there. And then sometimes just making a great pass. We're seeing everything last night. So more so than the lack of a, an offensive foul call, or if you want to get back to the first half and the no travel and then the tech and then the tech because Mike Woodson reached out and and uh, grabbed Larry serrato whatever. You want to get back to that, you can. But this IU team, and we saw this with the way Northwestern closed out Purdue on Sunday, most places you're going to go, you just have to be more well-rounded than that. I don't know if they're taking notes. I'm assuming so. Taking notes on how we can make ourselves better for the tournament. And obviously at the top of that list would be get consistent production, consistent help. For the one guy that brings it each and every night that you can count on and other teams know that that is the first guy that you try to stop right there. I mean, that was the sole focus. See what you can do. But it's also grabbing a level of consistency. I'm talking about consistency and helping out one player here, production-wise. But trying to find consistency, I should say, in games. And you just saw last night, Northwestern's legit this year. You say what you want. I know I I fall in the same category. I think about Northwestern and I think about in the 80s where unless it was the quiz bowl, they were going to get their ass whipped. That's what I think about. But that's not the case anymore. I mean, weird, right? If we would have all fallen asleep in the mid-2000s, I don't know if we'd recognize what the hell's going on. Would we? Just think if I woke up from a long nap, fell asleep in 2003, oh, here I am. 2002 and here I am. I don't know if I'd recognize anything. What is that? What is this? Yeah, Especially in the landscape of college basketball. There are certain things, but even this year, if you watch it, Duke is boring as hell to watch. North Carolina is boring as hell to watch. You watch number one, I was thinking last night, number one Alabama, Tennessee. That's number one right there. And it does it does lead to some drama. It does lead to fun because there is clearly no clear cut favorite here. And certainly Purdue is among those. But it is it is widely unrecognizable. We were talking about this the other day. This is not a great example to give this year because they're not even in the ballpark of what they were a year ago and certainly what they have been in the past three-plus years. But can you imagine? you imagine Yeah, not paying attention and all of a sudden getting here now and looking at Gonzaga as a program compared to the only thing they were known about until 1998 was the fact that John Stockton played there. That was it. Anybody knew what that was. And now they're one of the uh, top college basketball programs. I'll tell you what, though. Even with the loss last night, even with the loss for Purdue going back to Sunday, if you can catch a little bit of fire, if you can catch a little bit of rhythm, and I'm looking ahead to the tournament, right, because we're, what, less than a month away? Now, from Selection Sunday, you can catch a little bit of fire. And I know it often comes down to the matchups. I'm just going to bs you right here, right? You're going to have a game where you're going to look back and it's a signature moment of of getting by compared to you know losing and, and going home in disappointing fashion. But, man, if you can find a little bit of rhythm, this is the year for you. And I'm talking about both Purdue and IU. This is the year. Same way with Indiana State, the Missouri Valley. I know that they went through just a dreadful, what was it end of December, certainly January month where they just lost all these games. I was feeling so good. And what are they, 19 and 9 somewhere in that neighborhood now, a game off the pace in the Mo Valley? If you just find a little bit, a little bit, and I guess the Mo Valley is going to be a one-bid league. Find a little bit in Arch Madness. Can get yourself there. You think about Ball State, what Ball State has accomplished in year number one with Michael Lewis, Dennis Lewis. Think about the opportunities you're going to have there. But getting back to both IU and and Purdue, on the national level, the national scope, if you can't just get somebody to come along with you consistently – You have two forces that most of the time are there and are elite-level difficult to deal with, i.e., going to get theirs. Just anybody else can come along for the ride. And believe me, you're going to get clock if you do. I don't care who it is, seriously. I don't care who comes off the bench. I don't care if whoever's off the bench hasn't played. If you can all of a sudden jump into that vat of consistency. Yeah, let's go. Jump on board. Some things you find out this time of year. Some of these things regarding IU we've known. Some of these things regarding IU we were already privy to, but the yeah, last night it's the the consistency of just the half of basketball. And again, more so than a lack of an official's call or whatever that mess was over near the IU sideline, whether or not Mike Woodson, you know, got them both and Larry Serrato made sure he gave one to Armand Hill too, because he go, oh, wait a minute, that was a really weak tech. Now I'm going to tech him up because he, I have to, because he touched me here. So if I give them both to Mike Woodson, then his ass is going to be tossed here. I don't want to do that because that initial tech was so weak. I, whatever, whatever. But if you take care and be more consistent in the first half, and then if you want to talk about play on the court, that lob that literally was the worst lob in history where Trace was wide open and ready to slam at home, I don't know if I've ever seen a lob hit the top of the backboard like that. That looked like some of your jumpers last night. There was a lob i mean it was a hell of an idea it was It's some eye contact and all hey look at that eye contact and then the execution just wait a minute that's one of those two where you like you're, you're, you're tracing you're just incredibly athletic and you go well i'm not going to jump for that where is that yeah hopefully some of these and, and we have seen it with iu i'll give you a great example you go back to that michigan game I bet you 90% of you, you fans thought throughout most of that game they were going to get tagged with an L. Then they kind of wiggled their way out of it. You could tell last night, too, Robbie Hummel, continuously, as good as he is, at breaking down a game on Big Ten Network, continuously told everybody, hey, don't go away. It's not trying to sell the game and keep everybody on board. It was because he fully expected IU to come back. But that's tougher for IU than it is for most teams. because uh, You're basically trying to come back in terms of if you're trying to come back from a double-digit deficit if it's 1982. They just cannot count on making threes to come back. And, and really, they don't even look at it. Like, if you, you look late in that game, when they chipped that thing down to eight, and I think seven, I mean, and, and rightly so, every single time, man, they would dump it in to Trace. And there was one time, cross-court pass, he threw it over to Miller Cop, and Miller Cop did one of those, those pump fakes and then passed it back out. And obviously, he wasn't having a good night, and what was being said to him certainly wasn't cool. I I don't know what you do. Northwestern apologized for it. It was a blank, you, Miller chant. It's familiar. I I know uh, we've kind of normalized it. We've normalized it. So what are you going to do? You're expected to play through that. So... Northwestern comes out with a press release apologizing for it and I'm I'm sure that they didn't dig it but at that moment you probably get a got on the horn and said hey knuckleheads can you st- shut that stuff up for a minute and you know part of it is if you're Northwestern you just you haven't been in this spot at whatever you know some of these northwestern folks have never seen anything like this well I'm saying most of these Northwestern folks have never seen anything like this so I mean you want You want to get as many people on the bandwagon without having to kick people off. Now, great game last night, great game, but IU could not not just get back, but not win the game. And there are certain lessons to be learned right there for that team, and some of which were already fully understood. And then others. That's one thing about this team. This team has, I don't want to say bounced back. It seems like at times they are understanding and learning and then moving on. They they have corrected themselves on a variety of fronts for the better after a loss, after a disappointment. More than we certainly have seen them. And again, I'm not putting a great deal of, wow, you're kidding me. Archie Miller couldn't get him to do that because clearly he could not. But it seems like that there are times when they do learn from some of these disappointments, from a loss or two, and try to correct those particular errors. See if they can bounce back against Illinois at home at noon coming up. That is on Saturday. Meantime, Boilermakers. Boilermakers got a little something to prove tonight, too. Yeah, I know. Still firmly atop the Big Ten. But this Maryland team is a 630 tip. This Maryland team, this is one of those home court barely getting by. And I guess before they blew that game late at Northwestern, we had talked about the final possession games in which they have been really good. The final possession games in which their backcourt, their freshman backcourt, has performed at a high level and they've gotten over. One of those wins, one of those examples was the first Maryland game at Maggie Arena back in January. This is going to be much tougher. Yeah, Maryland's weird. Like Maryland is almost off the radar. It's like you go, hey Maryland, and you you expect them to be bad, not any good, but they're right there and they're beating teams. Now, you consider most of the Big Ten right there, but this is a big one for the Boilermakers. You had a great deal of disappointment. And let's face it, something that a lot of Boilermaker fans are waiting on is an implosion of sorts. I know you're waiting for March. That's going to be the ultimate test, but you're kind of waiting on, maybe not an entire implosion, but just maybe in the backcourt, Maybe a game that you you give away that you should have had. You can make an argument that that was Northwestern on Sunday. But, I mean, let's face it, and Boilermaker fans do kind of sit around and at times wait for the worst to happen, and on Sunday the worst happened. What would make it worse is to let it linger. So this is one of those things tonight where you'd like to see them go to Maryland, and Maryland has been unbeaten. In College Park or college wherever. Yeah, College Park. College Park is Maryland. College Station is Texas. (laughs) State College is Pennsylvania. College Mall is Bloomington. But that said, that said, correct the errors that you made in that disappointment on Sunday. That is, to me, tonight what you're looking for if you're a Boilermaker fan uh, for the next step. Because, again, I know you're sitting around waiting for the worst to happen. Sometimes you've been conditioned to do just that. Tonight is going to be one of those provers. 6.30 is that tip time. That is an early start, again, from Maryland for Purdue coming up later on tonight. Now, we talked about IU getting all the way back, not getting over at Northwestern. Uh, Pacers last night. Pacers last night get down big, which is the norm. Um, I send out a first quarter tweet saying that was the worst first quarter I've seen in Freedom, One of those worst and for all time, forever kind of deals that I do, right? Because I'm living in the moment. And when I live in the moment, if something's going haywire, it's like the most haywire anything's ever gone in the history of being haywire. That's me. Let I me mean, go ahead and live in this moment. So I was living in the moment last night and obviously forgot to think about who they were playing <laughs> And the fact that before they were down twenty, and before they worked their way back in, and before they ended up beating the Chicago Bulls, and that's that's what the Bulls did. I'll be honest with you, uh, that was that was necessary. I I want to see them win. I want to see them close. I just I want to see them in different situations. I want to see them and this group in situations. And I've said this before. No matter what you think about this season no matter what you're hoping for. If you liked it better when they were winning prior to the Halliburton injury, or if you think now is really where they need to be for the betterment of this organization and winning for future dates, then so be it. But in situations, even with this young group that still is inexperienced in terms of seasons playing together, playing together, You still want to see them close out. You want to see how positively they can react in moments like that. I mean, again, even with the Bulls imploding in the fashion in which they did, you want to see them get back into it, take that lead, and then hold on to it. And that's exactly what they did last night. That's exactly what they did last night going into the All-Star break. Buddy Heald shooting a three, preparation for the three-point contest. An All-Star weekend, three-point competition. You got the Rising Stars game. You got Andrew and and Benedict Matherin in that. The three-point shootout, as I used to call it. I think they call it the three-point competition or whatever. I used to call it the three-point shootout. We all loved it back in the day. Still do, matter of fact. That's where all these stars go now. But you have both Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Heald in that. Buddy Heald, by the way, is the Vegas odds-on favorite to take that bad boy home. Buddy Heald last night. Franchise season record for threes. That does take not an ounce away By the way, from Reggie Miller, I know you smart folks out there recognize that. But it doesn't take anything away. It doesn't mean, well, you know, we told you that he wasn't that good. Well, if you believe that, you're a huge idiot. Because he was. He played in a stratospherically different era. There's another one of those things, if you would have fallen asleep, in the mid 2000s. Wait, wait a minute. I'm all of a sudden. I'm waking up now. That's a long nap. Wait a minute. What's happening here? <laughs> What's going on? What is I'm watching I'm watching the Wizards here. What's this 75 dude doing out there shooting nothing but set shot threes? What? Where are we? Now, nah, I'm taking nothing away either. Don't minimize the accomplishment of Buddy Healed, and don't minimize the accomplishment of uh, the greatest all-time of my era, Indiana Pacer. Because it is a different brand of basketball. And believe me, I do dig it. I, three's better than two. I kind of look at it a little bit like, you know, chicks dig the long ball. Non-juiced up division. Three's better than two. I do like it. The only thing you don't like is it does inspire guys that aren't good at shooting threes to continuously shoot threes because everybody else does, and threes better than two. Buddy Hield is not one of them. Buddy Hield is a reason why when people talked about wanting to get rid of him, and you got to go out there and you got to get that value right now, you got to get what he's worth. You also have to keep in mind what era in which we're in it's not likely that all of a sudden his three-point shooting prowess is just going to fly away. His athleticism, others' athleticism might. But three-point shooting, jump shooting, shooting in general will stand the test of time. If you can find an opening and get it up there, and you're one of those high-level shooters, somebody's going to bring you in. Somebody's going to want you. You're going to be valued. And here, yeah, Buddy Heel make no mistake about it, has been heavily valued, and rightly so. So you got the All-Star weekend coming up with that participation, Tyrese Halliburton, obviously, in the All-Star game. Jim Bob Cooter, when was he here? 09 through 12? When was that? Jim Bob Cooter once upon a time was here. Now it's not Dukes of Hazard. It's not the Waltons. I get a giggle out of all that stuff, too. You're talking to the right person. Not Jim Bob Walton. Good night, Jim Bob. It's not, hey, Cooter, can you bring your sleeveless button-down shirt and your wrecker out here because the General Lee is crashed in a crick? Nothing like that. This is an offensive mind. The passing game coordinator for the Jaguars, and we had Shane Steichen on the show yesterday, would not divulge exactly what he might be looking for. And by the way, Shane Steichen's comments yesterday, it, it, it's going to depend, right? I know you got, we. I should, and I'm not into giving myself awards by any stretch, but keeping Shane Steichen Uh, On the air in an interview for 15 minutes, that should have been a pretty big deal because I'll give him credit. My man gets to the point in 10 seconds or less. He's not like my long-winded ass right here. I bring up Die Hard, and I'll talk about it for three and a half hours. I bring up what is best suited for your team moving forward about the offense, and he's going to answer that question in 10 seconds or less. There is something... I think of incredible value when you can just get to the point. Now, granted, if I did that, I'd have a very quick show. But there is something about it. If you missed Shane Steichen on this show yesterday, that podcast is up, 107.5thefan.com. If you miss Rick Venturi for his hour-long visit, we do it three times a year with Rick, and it was absolutely everything. He wants Bryce Young. Get up to number one and don't settle. Don't settle has been a mantra of mine. But he would, he certainly would value the Colts getting up to number one and having their pick, and he likes Bryce Young. We can discuss that if you like. Mike DeCourse, he's going to join us coming up in the 4 o'clock hour from the Big Ten Network. We'll go over the Big Ten. We'll go over last night's Northwestern IU game preview, Purdue and Maryland, the rest of the Big Ten as well, and a lot of college basketball with Mike coming up here at the top of the hour. Mike Chappell. Of CBS 4 and Fox 59 in the 5 o'clock hour. And Mike Sanford. Mike Sanford is the former Indiana State head coach. And if you heard the interview with Shane Steichen yesterday, he hired Shane Steichen for his first coaching gig in Louisville back in 2010. And then ultimately won over and earned that Indiana State head coaching gig. And then asked Shane Steichen if he would like to jump onto his staff in Terre Haute. And for whatever reason, Shane Steichen picked the Cleveland Browns organization over Indiana State and Terre Haute. I still question that. That one is going to linger in my brain for a while. Cleveland, Terre Haute, come on now. I could have told him exactly what to do, how to hell all of it. Could have given him a little bit of a script for Terre Haute. But Mike Sanford is a high school coach now. He's been a college coach for a number of years, a high school coach out in the Las Vegas area, I should say. And uh, he's going to join us at 5.30 to talk a little bit about uh, one of the guys that he has coached alongside he first hired and somebody that he holds in high regard in Shane Steichen. So Mike Sanford's going to join us coming up here at 5.30. All right, 239-107. Email address, jmv at 1075thefan.com. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Good to see everybody in there. I will log on momentarily. And by the way, if you don't know anything about it, you can listen to the show, but you can also watch the show, meaning you can see I got a V-neck on today. I'm pretty handsome today, really. Uh, Of the days of the week, Monday through Friday, this might be my highest level of handsomeness today. So you can check that out and also participate in the conversations that are ongoing. That's the lounge. That is YouTube Live, The Ride with JMV. It is a fun time. The stream, the app, HD radio in your ride. And we're going to come back with your calls and more on the other side. 93.5 and 107. Find the fan
2: Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
1: The Ride with JMV. Here's Jenny! Don't! David Letterman! Hi, David. I'm Grandpa. 93.5 and 107.5, the fan.
4: Mm, Yeah, I saw the news you guys are sending me regarding Bruce Willis, a form of dementia. Mm. Oh, you hate that. And then the sad news today of the passing of Tim McCarver. Tim McCarver, there are a few voices. In different sports that provide the soundtrack. I call it the soundtrack, not the play-by-play or as the the color analyst, but the soundtrack of my life. Loving sports, in this case, loving baseball. Tim McCarver would have been one of those. Joe Garagiola, Tony Kubek, was one of those. I could come up with a variety. Vince Scully, one of those. But so was Tim McCarver. Tim McCarver is certainly a, a long-standing fixture in not only a, a former MLBer, but a long-standing fixture in calling games, doing the analyst work for games. And one of my favorite seasons of all time would have been the 1990 Red season. Of course, that was wire to wire. Me being a big Reds fan, you've got to embrace the old days because the new days suck. And are going to really suck. This new day is going to be awful. Like this year, like last year, for example, as a Reds fan, I really got to embrace what was it like the first week? The first was it the first game when Votto was miked up in Atlanta? I got to embrace one moment. That was it. Yeah, the rest of it stunk, and it's going to be pretty much this season, probably worse than what we saw last season. So, as a Reds fan, you tend to embrace the old days. You embrace 75 and 76. You know, you talk about how you were robbed in 81 with the strike when you had the best record in baseball, yet because of the discombobulated way they decided to choose who represented in the postseason, they got no opportunity to do it. And certainly wire to wire in 1990. Taking out the Pirates in the NLCS. Four consecutive over the defending champion, Oakland Athletics, in the World Series. And that was one of my all-time favorite seasons right there. It does. it, It does. From a modern era angle, Eric Davis, Barry Larkin, Dibble, Charlton, Randall Kirk, Jose Rio. There's so many... Paul O'Neill, Chris Sabo, Billy Hatcher. So many great names that resonate with me of players that I loved and providing that soundtrack. And I always thought just a tremendous baseball analyst in general was Tim McCarver. And Tim McCarver, back when I was at the other station, Tim McCarver joined me one time, and I don't even know how we ended up doing this, but we tracked him down in Memphis, Tennessee, and he came on, and he was spectacular. And we're talking about a non-baseball market. You know, we're an indie in a non-baseball market. But he came on, and he was spectacular. And yeah, the one thing about Tim McCarver is it was a big baseball game when he was a part of it. Yeah, whether he was with Jack Buck or he was with Joe Buck, didn't matter. But his his voice has been missed, at least for me, in describing what's going on during a baseball game. And it's one of those soundtracks of my baseball-loving life voices that today, unfortunately, has been lost as Tim McCarver has passed away. 21 years in Major League Baseball. He was on the 68 Cardinals team that won the World Series. We don't like to talk about that because we hate the Cardinals. But just uh, a tremendous voice. And somebody is at the top of the list of all timers for me. Uh, baseball wise and and see I I even go back I go back I love Tony Kubek and and Joe Garagiola together loved it but equally love Tim McCarver and RIP to one of the all time greats right there no doubt the common soundtrack a tremendous voice of my baseball loving life is passed away all right, 239-1070 is the number. Let me get Eric on here. Remember, of course, he's going to join us coming up at the top of the hour. A lot more college hoop coming straight at you here. Eric, go ahead. How are you?
5: JMB, I love you, buddy. Hey, a uh, couple of things. Um, I'm hoping everything will work out a Colts. I thought that interview you did yesterday was tremendous. But my question is, is he going to be able to be on the same page with this general manager who has failed us in drafts in the past? And I wanted to ask you about your concern about Let that. Let me tell you and, this.
4: Uh, Eric and Vincennes, and a shout-out to Knox yes, County, and a shout-out to Cole House Video. It's no longer there. But it was a staple for two for Tuesdays and just a curtain going into the porn room. There wasn't a door. It was a curtain. So there wasn't a door. There was easy so, access there. But, no, Eric, here's, here's the way that it is. He has to. You want to know why? Because we we have six years of a lack of results, right? Six years of evidence that his way has not worked. So you bring in a new coach, and I'm, what does Rick Venturi like to describe things as malpractice? That would be malpractice if you yep. did not get on the same page with your offensive skill position-loving former offensive oh. coordinator, now first-time head coach. Malpractice it would be.
5: Yep. You're absolutely right. I hope it can work out. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about, Tim, uh, Tim, for just a second, yep. he uh, – he was the personal catcher for Steve McCarver. But I'm, I'm sorry for uh, – oh, heck, he was with, with the Cardinals and they got rid of him. Bob uh, Gibson?
4: Was he, no. I know he, he called for Bob Gibson. Oh, yeah,
5: you, oh you're talking about Steve, yeah, Steve Carlton? Carlton. Yeah, Steve Carlton. Yeah, I'm sorry. I apologize. Yeah, I mean – okay. Carlton wouldn't – yeah, Carlton wouldn't let Bob Boone do it.
4: Well, uh, McC- McCarver – Certainly was a tremendous baseball player, but he was he was a stratospheric announcer, uh, color analyst, and that his voice to me has been missed. Uh, John Smoltz, by the way, does a great job. Don't get me wrong, but Tim McCarver over the years has been missed, and he's going to go down in history as one of the greatest to ever do that. So there's no question about it.
5: He absolutely will, and I hope that uh, I hope baseball put him in the Hall of Fame.
4: It's, he's not in, I thought, is he in the Broadcasting Hall of Fame, or I thought he was in no. the Baseball Hall of Fame. Is he not in either? Neither. Really? I thought he was in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Well,
5: you might check it, but I I don't think. Check
4: that, James. Check my work, if you would. Hey, Eric, is, are things held down in Knox County okay right now?
5: Yeah, things are things are good down here. We've uh, we've got a pretty good uh, basketball team over at VU, and uh, – that power seems to be going strong, but uh, yeah, everything seems to be going good. Vincent's
4: Lincoln's down. not any good anymore, are they? Why are they
5: not no, any good? But I will tell you who is, and that's uh, North Knox girl is going well, to play state.
4: I've heard that North K Knox is pretty good. Bicknell's got something going on. I've always knew, I, I've always known that Bicknell could get something going on. on
5: well, they don't have a police, de- they don't have a police department, JMB, but they got a basketball
4: team. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need a police department as long as you got a good basketball team. What the hell,
5: Eric? I appreciate <laughs> you, man. Thank you,
4: uh, You got it. What'd you come up with, James? What am I checking again? Now you are checking to see if Tim McCarver was all Hall of Fame. I could have done it already. I'll look it up right now. I thought he was. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe it's a Hall of Fame broadcaster I was thinking of. Yeah, I know chicks dig the long ball. And you are not the only one, Matt Collins, that remembers that. I just actually watched that commercial. Uh, Tom Glavin and Greg Maddox together. Always have a great deal of memory there.
3: So it says here that Tim McCarver was an all-star catcher and Hall of Fame broadcaster.
4: Broadcaster. thought. Hall of Fame broadcaster. Anyway, McCarver was broadcasting some card games a few years ago. I think he got the Ford Frick Award, which is the Hall of Fame. That's exactly what I was looking for. I thought it was one of the two. Broadcasting Hall of Fame. Man, it was just, I loved listening to Tim McCarver. And there were some, and you get that everywhere, right? You get that everywhere. All right, everybody's down on Romo right now. I still think Romo was fine. I, I never went overboard with Romo as being Creskin of NFL broadcasting games. I just kind of take it for what it's worth. But you just when he when he sat down there and started yip-yapping, you knew it was a big deal and McCarver was the same. And and again, in part is the fact that one of my favorite baseball seasons of all time was certainly one that he broadcast in nineteen ninety. Well done, man. Skivy says, quote, What am I checking again? <laughs> Wait a minute. Where am I? Are you doing your impression of James? Wait a minute. Where am I? What are we doing? What is this thing again? Uh, what? Check one, two? Uh, Doug's up next at 239-1070. Sometimes you got to take it, James, so just get used to it. What's up, Doug? Hey, John. Um, wanted to tell
6: you, uh, Tim McCarver, the Cardinals won it, the series, in 67. Yeah. Um
5: beat Boston, I think, and they lost to Detroit in sixty eight.
4: They lost in sixty eight.
5: Yeah. Mm. Jim Northworth triple in game seven beat Gibson. I think I and just passed,
4: I, I just remember well the Denny McLean storyline from sixty eight. Yeah. That's what I remember yeah. the most.
6: Yes, yes. I also remember about Tim McCarver, wasn't he Steve Carlton's
4: personal catcher? Yeah, that's what Eric the caller just brought up. He was Steve Carlton's personal catcher. Now, was he that way with the Phillies, too? I know he had, think so, yeah. he had a pretty lengthy career in Philadelphia.
5: Yeah, and I think McCar- or Carlton won like 27 games in 72, and the Phillies won like 54.
4: Well, certainly the World Series of 1980, right there, because I back then I was uh, I was a big fan of George Brett. I'm always a Reds fan, but I was a big fan of George Brett when he was chasing 400 back in 1980. Ended up hitting 390. They lost in the World Series to Philly. That was one of my my larger downers of my baseball loving career.
5: Yeah. Tim McCarver was a monster. No doubt about that. No Mm -hmm. question. Doug, thank
4: you for the call. I appreciate that. David says this. Tim McCarver was to baseball what Pat Summerall was to football. Uh, I can get down with that comparison, Dave. Quick break, and we'll come back. Mike DeCoursey, top of the hour, Big Ten Network. Chapel's going to be here. Mike Sanford's a former coach along with Shane Steichen. Mike Sanford is a head coach now, high school-wise, out in Vegas. He's the former head coach at Indiana State. And Mike's going to join us coming up at the 5 o'clock hour. His background, what he knows about Shane Steichen, who, by the way, joined us yesterday. And if you missed that, you can find it online, 107.5thefan.com. That is a podcast. Shane Steichen, the new head coach of the Colts and me yesterday. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan
2: Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
1: The Ride with JMV. If peeing your pants is cool, consider me Miles Davis. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
4: Yeah, shout out to Greg. I gotta mention Glenn Braggs, too. Now that Reds wire to wire 90 team. Not only was he awesome, but he also married one of the ladies from In Vogue. <laughs> if you already didn't have enough going for you, go ahead and do that too. We actually talked with him what was this, maybe four years ago? I was doing a lot of the old school Reds. Norm Charlton came on. I think he owns a a, some kind of fishing business. But had a lot of those guys from that wire-to-wire season come on. It was pretty awesome. We mentioned that in terms of the news of the passing of Tim McCarver today. You know, one of the the voices all-time for me in baseball. And certainly a great player in his own right with the Cardinals and the Phillies. Baseball broadcast, Hall of Famer. Uh, Tim McCarver passed away earlier today. And you also get news. I saw this from Jim Ursay's Twitter account. Our condolences to the family of Larry Coyer, who is being laid to rest tomorrow. Larry was our defensive coordinator for our 2009 Super Bowl season. A great man and a great coach. So, RIP to Larry Coyer who has passed away so joe hey jmv jumping back to rick venturi's interview could listen to him every day during the football season i just heard you say three times a year I need to do what they can do at your place to get him on weekly you can make it happen i love having rick on he does i think it's three times a year joe it may be four Before the draft, before the start of the season, and then after the season. So, yeah, I guess it is three. But he was spectacular yesterday. If you missed any of it, the podcast is up there, 107.5thefan.com. R.D. just brought something up regarding the late Tim McCarver. He had a country album. And R.D., I believe when I had him on my show at the other station – it was to talk about that as well. You just have jogged my memory. I believe he was on there to talk about his country music album and being such an incredible voice in baseball. Well done right there. I believe that's the case. And I didn't treat him like the infamous Jim Serone interview back in the day. Rick Serone interview. Jim Serone was a DJ here back in the day. See, I can't even get it right right now. So how could I get it right back in the day? True story though, a country music album. That's one of the reasons why he came on. Had him on one time. And he was glorious. Don't get me wrong. This is from Matt Carlson. JMV, I just saw Carson Wentz in the Whitestown Meyer. I'm wondering why he's back. Is he making amends with Ursay? All right, so we're going to (laughs) have – Matt, I'm sure you speaketh the truth from what you see, but we will probably have people question whether or not you saw – actually saw Carson Wentz. Maybe it was somebody that looked kind of like Carson Wentz. Were you sure that it was Carson Wentz? Now, I know all the jokes are coming. Oh, here's how you know it was Carson Wentz, or how did you know it was Carson Wentz? Was he uh, trying to – Throw a bag of peanut M&Ms down the aisle left-handed? No, no, no. I can tell you this. Matt normally is on the money with information. He said, yep, walked right by him five minutes ago. Five minutes ago. All right, Quick break, and we'll come back. Roland, if you're on hold, I'll get to you coming up as well. Uh, Mike Chapel in the 5 o'clock hour. Mike Sanford, the former Indiana State head coach, he's going to join me at about 5.30, was the first to hire Shane Steichen the new Colts head coach. Mike's going to join us coming up at 5.30. Mike DeCoursey, college basketball, IU got back into it, gave themselves a chance, but couldn't close. They lose on the road last night at Northwestern and the Boilers get a big one later on tonight in Maryland. That's a 6.30 gathering for hoopage in the state of Maryland tonight of the Big Ten. We'll talk about that, the Big Ten and more. Mike DeCoursey of the Big Ten Network. Me and you and your chance at Jason Aldean tickets coming up as well. 93.5 and 107
2: all hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
1: The Ride with JMV. Why not, Mr. Venkman Because you did not use the magic word. What is
6: the magic word, Mr. Venkman
1: Please. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan.
4: Shane Steichen yesterday, the new head coach of the Colts, with us. Podcast 107.5, thefan.com. Rick Venturi for an hour. Three times a year, and especially after the season, it is always really good. We went over everything, talked about the new Colts head coach, and then had the new Colts head coach on both of those interviews. Podcast at 1075thefan.com. Mike Chappell, still to come. Mike Sanford, who once upon a time. Was the head coach at Indiana State and hired Shane Steichen for his first coaching gig at Louisville back in 2010. Mike's going to join us coming up here in the 5 o'clock hour as well. By the way, I don't know if I have the power to tell you yet. I guess I just could and what the hell. But we have a month of February tavern tour stop locked and loaded coming up a week from Friday. So if they allow me to, I better ask somebody. I'm pretty sure I'm allowed to. But I'll ask anyway. Tavern tour stop. Month of February. Announcement forthcoming. So sit tight for that. If you're on hold, I'll get to you inside the lounge via YouTube Live. And evidently, Carson Wentz indeed still lives around Whitestown and Zionsville. Unbeknownst to me. But you guys are all on top of it. That's why my man saw him in the Whitestown mire. Makes sense now. No ID still lived around here. You guys are all with it. I guess I'm. A, no athletes lived down on the south side by me. You ever notice that? Any any athletes live on the south side? Everybody always thought that there was this big Italian mansion type of house on 135. Back in the day, everybody thought it was Manning's, but it was like Doug Flores. <laughs> an orthopedic surgeon's. No athletes lived down by me. You Guys are on top of the whereabouts. Of Carson Wentz, still in town and I guess out and about this afternoon. Meantime, Andy Moore, Automotive Group Potline, a late one last night on the Big Ten Network. IU losing on the road at Northwestern. Purdue on the road in Maryland, early start time at 6.30. That and more from the Big Ten Network. Mike DeCourcy joins us. You know, IU, I was impressed, Mike, with the way that IU got back in it last night. But it is even with Trace Jackson Davis, and he was literally down the stretch, unstoppable. It takes them so long. They dig any kind of a double figure hole, they're in trouble because of their lack of three point prowess. Just tough. Well,
7: part of the lack of the pre- three point prowess is they're not working hard enough to get Miller Cop shots. I mean, that it's really that simple. Uh, he did get four last night, and he wasn't particularly accurate in this particular game, but. I mean, we're talking about somebody who shoots 44-7 from three and is not getting shots, not getting three-pointers. He's uh, over the course of the last bunch of games. And that, now it's worked for them uh, for the most part in that stretch. But I, I still think that there's. It, it feels like it's an asset that's not being tapped, especially in games like this where they're, they're trapping the post. I think the ball could move faster. And eventually find Miller more open than, than what's been happening.
4: I will tell you this: it, it takes them to a different level. Yeah, if somebody, anybody, could provide that, and we've seen it, we've seen it in Bloomington, right? And just not seen it on the road. If anybody could provide that at any moment with any level of consistency, that makes this team offensively a hell of a lot different.
7: Oh, absolutely! Because you, Northwestern's going to trap the post whether you can shoot it or not. They're just going to try to trap it in a way that it's really hard for you to to get the ball to the dangerous positions. But other teams that double the post, if if when they do that, that most of them aren't going to be as good at it as Northwestern is. That's like their fastball. That's their number one pitch. In in some ways, that's what makes them good. And so other teams try to double the post. They're not as good at it. They don't, they're not as effective. They're not as surprising. And so you can get the ball out to, to dangerous positions. And, and Trace is one of the best-passing big men in the country. And so if those spots are open and they're filled by guys who are dangerous, then at that point they are, they are that much more productive on offense. But they haven't been successful at getting cop. Or, or or Tamar Bates into positions where they can be effective. And I think that's the one thing about this team. If you look at teams that have weaknesses, it's one thing. But it's another to have maybe the, the components to impact those weaknesses on your roster and not really be taking full advantage of them.
4: You know, and part of it to me, And while I agree with what you're saying there, I think the other side of it is too, there are times when these guys get open looks where the defenses don't look like they take it seriously anyway, truly.
7: Well, I mean, if you, I think that Northwestern understood that, you know, Miller cop is a capable shooter. I gave you the number before. I mean, anybody in the country would want somebody like that on, on their perimeter and they're playing Miller a lot. It's not like they're just sitting him on the bench. That's, I mean, if, if, they, if they looked at Miller, and I think over the last month, month and a half, he's, he's done a really good job of becoming valuable in the absence of significant shot attempts. I, I think he's done a great job with hustle plays, with leadership, even on defense, which was never a strength when he was at Northwestern. And so if they looked at that asset as, now that he's on the floor, let's take advantage of this. I just think that's one place where this team, again, if if they didn't have a guy like that, they'd wish they did. And now they do, but they don't take advantage fully.
4: You guys are all over on the Big Ten Network, and rightly so. It um, doesn't seem like that the uh, national attention is there for Northwestern yet. And, and I guess uh, I'm an older dude, and you know, remember Northwestern to when they would be dominant in the Quiz Bowl, but certainly not in basketball uh, back in the 1980s or any time, for example. How big of a story is what we're seeing with Chris Collins' team unfold before us this year?
7: I was joking with someone on the po- on a podcast today. That if Syracuse were having this sort of, quote, miraculous season where you get picked 14th and instead you're second or 13th, second from the bottom, and instead you're second from the top, that all the Syracuse people that are in the, in the broadcast media would not shut up about it. But it, here you have Northwestern, which has one of the great journalism schools in the country and print guys all over the place, and they're not writing about it. I mean, this is a great story, and you're almost hearing nothing about it. Uh, Chris Collins as a national coach of the year candidate. Why is his name not coming up in that conversation more often when you talk about what I said, second from the bottom predicted and with good reason, because they lost two regulars last year after last year's season te- seasons was over. One of them went to Duke and one of them went to Carolina and those guys are gone. Okay. We're much better now. I mean, now how, if you can make that happen, you are doing an unbelievable job as a head coach and, uh, I think Chris Collins, uh, who came into the season, you want to talk about getting uh, a really rough, having a really rough summer. Anytime somebody wrote an article about college basketball and the, quote, hot seat, his name was way near the top of those. And it, was, and it wasn't just because it was alphabetical. Uh, they, they, he had a really difficult job ahead of him, and he's done it beautifully.
4: So Mike DeCorsi of Big Ten Networks with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I want to double back to IU for a moment too. Where are they right now? I know you do, um, you know the uh, you, you kind of size up the uh, brackets uh, for Big Ten Network. Where, where do you have IU locked in right now? And you know, let's just say they, they catch a little bit more because the one thing about this team, Mike that I have gathered certainly better than we have seen in a while is th- these guys will learn uh, and move on. They-, they have, I think, taken mistakes and made it better for some of those mistakes given where they are right now. But where are they now? Where do you think they will be at the end of this year going into March in the tournament here?
7: Well, their next three games will say a lot about that, or next four if you want to throw the fourth in. Uh, Illinois at home, at Michigan State and Purdue, and then Iowa at home even Michigan to finish is is a challenging game, but uh, a a significant NCAA tournament team should be able to deal with this Michigan team at home at at this stage. And they played not well on Saturday night. And partly because race wasn't available to them. Race Thompson wasn't available. So they didn't play great and they still were able to get the win. So that shouldn't be a, a terribly difficult game for a team that has high level aspiration, but these next four uh, they're all really challenging. And they're the kinds of at least the home games against Illinois and Iowa are the kinds of games the teams that want to be seated three, four, five. Uh, those, those are games you win. And then whether you can win at Michigan State or at Purdue, I mean those are really difficult, uh, difficult environments, difficult teams. Obviously, there's a variance in the in the degree of difficulty there, but they're both very good if they could go three and one through this stretch, I think they challenge again for a top four seed. Uh, If they, if they go two and two, I think they hold themselves in the, in the ballpark of a five or a six.
4: Mike DeCorsi joins us. A big one for night for Purdue or tonight, I should say, for Purdue, coming off that loss to Northwestern on Sunday. An early start against Maryland, and, and Maryland has been really sneaky, not sneaky good at home. They've just been really good at home, but sneaky good throughout the course of their schedule to this point in the Big Ten. What are you looking for from this boilermaker team, bounce back wise, after what took place in Evanston Sunday?
7: Yeah, I think the first thing is that they have to handle the basketball better, which they did not do well. They did not make great decisions. In a game, they didn't play that badly for the first 36 minutes. They were playing reasonably well, not elite at the level that they can do, but they were playing reasonably well. They had control of the game. They were up eight-ish. They were fine. And then when Northwestern started to squeeze the game a little bit, turn up the pressure, Purdue did not react well. So they're, they're probably going to see some of that because Maryland likes to play aggressive defense anyway. And so they're probably going to see some of that one way or the other tonight, and they're going to have to handle it better. And then the second thing that may, you know, it's probably going to come up sooner is how do they guard Jameer young uh, Maryland's terrific guard, who's averaging uh, about nearly 20 points over the last 10 games or so Uh, he's become a really dangerous offensive player for them. And, There's not a natural matchup for Purdue in that. Jameer's a little smaller than most of the players that Ethan Morton is really effective against, usually bigger wings that he can match with size and strength and and attention and make it difficult. Jameer's smaller, quicker. So do they go with that, or do they try to just match him straight up with Braden Smith? Uh, I'll be very curious to see how they guard Jameer Young and how effectively they do, whoever's in the matchup. Is going to play a big role in, in whether or not they can leave uh, Maryland with a victory.
4: Mike DeCourcy from the Big Ten Networks on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline with us. So. Oh. Obviously so. I've received a lot of, well, this is the type of whistle that Zach Eadie isn't getting right now. This is how he's being guarded. It should be a whistle. I, I, I got it from last night. You know, Boo Booey goes in and uh, creates space for that game winner against Trey Galloway. You find issues in with these two teams, certainly you find issues with some of these games, the way they're being officiated, especially down the stretch, Mike, at all?
7: Well, I will say that, you know, I did think that that was, you know, what's ironic about that in some ways is that Trey Galloway didn't flop or didn't fall. And if he'd gone down, there's a chance he might have gotten that call. I I think too much of that call in the way it's adjudicated is in what the defensive player's reaction is rather than what what the force applied was. That was a case where there was significant force applied. Lots of times they call charges when there's almost none. I've seen, I literally have seen charges called this, season when there was none, when guys pretended to get contacted and didn't. And so that if, if Trey had gone down, he might have gotten the call, which is the problem with that is it encourages guys to fall and it encourages the theatrics. And instead of acknowledging, you know, Trey was in that play and then he wasn't, you know, what happened there? I mean, it wasn't that, he didn't put on a fake, so it couldn't have been that good of a fake. He just kept driving until there was no defender, so I, I thought that was not a great decision. But I, I don't know what Purdue fans are saying, but I think for the most part, and Sunday might have been somewhat uh, toward the end, might have been somewhat of a uh, some, uh, departure, but I think Zaxman getting a great whistle, a fair whistle. I, I, a year ago in, in the second round of the, cha- of the tournament when they played Texas, I thought he got a fair whistle, which is why like seven guys from Texas filed out <laughs> Uh, but then they went and played St. Peter's and St. Peter's was allowed to do whatever they wanted uh, and, that w- and that was a big part of why he wasn't able to be effective which is a big part of why they weren't able to win there were other reasons obviously but that was an element and so I think if he gets called now, uh, tonight and through the NCAA tournament, through the Big Ten tournament the way he has most of this year that's why he's a- been able to be the-, the best player in the country because he's been treated reasonably, you can't hang on his arms it's not fair just because he's 7-4 doesn't mean you can do whatever you want to him it has to be fair it has been for the most part
4: yeah i, I think that there's just that concern you know what i mean it's it's like a preemptive strike if you will, because yeah. it's not just about Mike in the now. It's about, all right, so how's this whistle going to go in March? How's it going to go in, you know, in the NCAA tournament? I, I think that's probably even more of a concern for Boilermaker fans than the whistle he's getting right now.
7: But, but you can't
6: predict. That's, There's no doubt.
4: It's impossible. No doubt.
7: It's like, you know, is, is, uh, is our best shooter going to have his touch tonight? Well, who knows until the ball starts going in, you know, there, there are 45.7% three point shooters who will go out and have a one for six some nights. And you have to work around that. Now I realize that it's really hard for them to work around Zach, not being able to play. And I, when I say that, I mean being able to play effectively. And if opponents are allowed to hang on him, uh, then then he can't he can't be effective at the level that he's been so I understand that's a concern but there's no way to measure that or mitigate it uh, because it, it you know the, it's the NCAA tournament and the one thing you can say is everybody that's in that game wants to be in the next game and that's not just the coaches and not just the players, but also the officials. So you hope that they are incentivized to do the best possible and and fairest possible job.
4: Yes, Mike DeCourcy of Big Ten Network. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Is 1-2 Zach Eady and Trace Jackson Davis in the Big Ten the way you look at the National Player of the Year landscape right now too?
7: Yeah, I I, I look at it this way. I think Zach is one – And then I don't think there's a real number two in the national player of the year race. I've been having some conversations with people about the idea that I thought before last night, and maybe still going forward, there's still five games left uh, that that they could be split because I I have a very strong belief that big 10 player of the year is big 10 player of the year. Not uh, we played Kennesaw player of the year, or we played, Alabama player of the year that those don't matter to me in voting for big 10 player of the year. It's just what you did when, when you started playing Penn state and Northwestern, et cetera. And so I I think trace gave up too much ground in the first two months to six weeks of the season for him to catch Zach and let Zach completely collapse. And he started scoring one point a game or something. Uh, It's not going to happen. He's a great player. So I don't think he could catch him in a national player of the year race. He's making a heck of an effort, but I don't think he can. But Big Ten Player of the Year for me—he still has five games. Last night wasn't his best, but he's had some unbelievable. And even even at that, he still still went for twenty and ten and eight assists. So I guess the the, the big thing was that he didn't win, but it, it, he's he's doing a phenomenal job, and he is very much alive for me in Big Ten Player of the Year. I hope that more people will judge it that way, whether they judge it for Zach or Trace or anybody else, I hope that more players will more more voters will take that approach because I think it's the way it should be.
4: Mike, I talk to Don Fisher every Friday and you we, we go back and obviously talking about Trace Jackson Davis, South Sider. We're South Siders, and he he is showing me, not just on the basketball floor, but he is he's showing me us a, a level of leadership verbal leadership on the floor during the game stuff that has evolved from a spot where I never thought we would see it and like last night after the game when he said hey listen um, put it on me because it was the first half when I was not existent they count on me to be there at all times and I wasn't and that's ultimately what paraphrasing here cost us the game that is a level of leadership along with what you see on the floor and and that evolution of him as a, a full basketball player has been incredibly noticeable especially this year you're the same as far as what you have seen vocally leadership wise from trace
7: yeah i i will say i'm not surprised because i had a conversation with him a nice chat up in minneapolis uh, at the big 10 media day and i mentioned to him i noted that he will almost certainly now finish top three in points rebounds and blocks and look kent benson isn't there Allen Henderson isn't there. Calvert Chaney isn't there. They're all in those categories at some point. But top three in all three of those categories, by the end of this season, Trace Jackson Davis will be the only person that can say that. But he also is the only person of all those names I mentioned and many, many more that can say that his participation in the NCAA tournament has been limited to one first four victory and then getting blown out in the first round. And that's it. And he very much doesn't want that to be his legacy. He doesn't want to be this guy whose name is in the stat book, but doesn't have any banners or anything close to that hanging. So he's, once he got himself physically right this year, then he could turn his attention to making sure that all of his teammates understand what the stakes are, how, what, what they're capable of if they play their best, and, and making sure that they're as close to their best every night as possible. And I think he's done a phenomenal job with that over the last six weeks.
4: All right. Uh, besides the, the game tonight and recapping the game from last night, give me some games in the weekend that certainly you're going to be hard targeting of games of interest as we approach the, the final stretch of this Big Ten regular season, Mike.
7: Yeah, well, I think uh, that uh, one of the games that I would focus on for sure uh, would be Saturday night, excuse me, Sunday night. Uh, uh, the Big Ten Network we'll have on our air at uh, 6.30 Eastern time. We will have, for your pleasure, the uh, Northwestern Wildcats and the Iowa Hawkeyes. And uh, I think that's a really significant game for both teams. They're both fighting to try to figure out where they'll be seated in the NCAA tournament as well as Northwestern. I don't think Northwestern is sitting (laughs) there thinking, you know, we could win the Big Ten. I think that they're trying to finish as high as they can, it would be really an achievement for them to, to get a double buy in the Big Ten. I don't think even their 2017 NCAA tournament team did that. Uh, so that would be really something uh, something of an achievement for them. And it also uh, helps secure uh, their future in the tournament. So, uh, and then Iowa, the best offensive team in the league, going up against a team that defends as well as Northwestern, I think that's really going to be a, an interesting and entertaining game. And and I'm very much excited to be helping to broadcast it.
4: All right. Uh, Mike DeCourcy of the Big Ten Network, going to be a part of it. You can find him. Now, when are you on there next? Uh, you said you're on Sunday. Uh, when are you on next? Yeah,
7: Sunday night. So Sunday Sunday night we'll, we'll be on uh, halftime of that game, and then we'll do Big Ten basketball and beyond. And every Friday uh, from, from my house here in Fishers, nice. I do – uh, I do an hour uh with Dave Revson on Big 10 basketball and beyond there's usually one other analyst present they rotate that it's been it's been uh, uh Andy Katz at sometimes Trent Meacham at sometimes my partner on beyond Rachel Davis has been there so every week uh, we talk uh, hoops uh, almost for an hour straight uh, we also talk about women's hoops wrestling hockey uh, as well but uh, a big part of that is the men's hoops and so that's been a lot of fun to do with dave every week
4: well let me tell you this um watching the iu women's team second ranked hoosiers and we've talked to sydney parish here Mackenzie holmes here grace Berger on this show watching them work they get michigan tonight another top 25 matchup the i think third of three consecutively during this regular season what an absolute joy to watch that
7: Oh, absolutely! It, it, the, the Big Ten's women' season this year has been phenomenal. With Caitlin Clark at Iowa, with the complete turnaround at Illinois, uh, with as good as Michigan continues to be in Maryland, uh, it's a great competition. Uh, and of course, IU leads everybody in that uh, projected number one seed at this point. Uh, April Johnson does brackets for us uh, at BTN, and she has IU as a one seed. It, it, it's a it's been an, a thrilling uh, season and. Uh, very soon they'll join us here in Indy for a yep. fantastic uh, championship tournament. Uh, really, really looking
5: forward to that.
4: Well done, and once again, Mike mentioned he lives in Fishers, which would also outline why nobody besides me lives on the south side. Well done, right there. Nice. <laughs> I'm the only one. The only I think one.
7: Doyle's down there with you? I'm not sure. I think uh,
4: Yeah, he is. He's somewhere in Greenwood. I think he kind of moves around. I don't know if he stays in yeah, I guess he does stay in one place more than (laughs) more than a week, but it seems like he moves around anyway. Hey, by the way, thanks for coming on here. I appreciate that. We'll be watching this weekend, Mike. Thank you. You bet. Thank you, JMV. I appreciate it. So Mike DeCorsey, Big Ten Network on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. And everybody on the North Side. I will say this. Love me some Westfield, and you guys know that. Love me some Westfield. And we have great listenership. Westfield, Carmel, Zionsville. One of our better Monday Buffalo Wild Wing stops in Carmel. In Lebanon, by the way, was huge, too. So, I know. I'm the only one down there on the south side. Me and you, I guess, on the south side. Far, far south side. It's not even fair to say south side, far south side for me right there. Quick break. We'll come back. I got time for you on the other side. The sad passing at the age of 81 of the iconic in terms of baseball broadcasting and playing, but broadcasting certainly, Tim McCarver. Tim McCarver passed away at the age of 81 earlier today. That and more. Mike Chappell, top of the hour. Mike Sanford coming up at the bottom of the 5 o'clock hour. This is 93.5, 5, five. The Fan.
0: Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.
2: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride
1: with JMV. You take drugs, Danny? every yeah, day. Good. So what's the problem? I don't know. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Mike
4: deCourcy podcast 107.5thefan.com. Big Ten Network, IU, a loser last night at Northwestern. Last time out, the Boilermakers, a loser at Northwestern. Tonight, Boilermakers on the road at Maryland. The tip time, again, is at 6.30 tonight. Uh, We'll have a full recap for you coming up on tomorrow's show. Plus, 100 days out from the greatest spectacle in racing. Speedway press Doug Bowles joins us on the show tomorrow. 100 days away. Now, I brought this up earlier this week because you guys are asking me, right? You guys are asking me, why have we not heard who the Carb Day Entertainment will be as of yet? Like in the past, as you normally remember, it was sometime around the Super Bowl, maybe a little bit after that you hear. But I will say last year... Uh, I think it was a bit of a struggle for them to find exactly a combination to get in there. May, or check that, March the 24th, a year ago, was when we officially found out that Kings of Chaos and Rick Springfield were going to rock the mics like vandals. That's when we found out. So I don't know if we're going to find out anything tomorrow. I don't know if it's going to live up to anybody's expectations. I have no idea be nice that it would it's easy for me to say hey just tell Roger Penske to stink a couple hundred thousand dollars into it I, I guess I feel comfortable in saying it but I'm not so sure we're gonna find out coming up tomorrow from Doug Bowles, anything on that front. And as you, I I normally, I don't beat around the bush, I ask. I say, hey, man, go ahead and give me some hints here and let's see if we can take off. I don't even know. Normally, he will, like, send me a text and go, hey, uh, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? I haven't received that, so I don't know where they are with it. As I've always said, it, it normally doesn't matter to most of you. I mean, we're out there doing our thing, doing a show. You guys, we're all... Carb dang things up. So I've said this before. You could have me go up on stage probably and make fart noises with my armpit. And then everybody go, oh, oh, yeah, that's great. (laughs) You're going to win a Grammy for that. But, yeah, as it stands, it would be nice. Get something that you could really sink into. It'd be nice. But I know that it was a struggle a year ago. T. Shaw says this, tell Doug Bowles we want Realize and Situation Gray for Carb Day. You know what? For me and others that were digging on the 90s, going out to the Bluebird or the Vogue or back in the day at the patio, Jake's in the 90s, that's what we saw right there. And remember, I chased around Kelsey for Realize. Every time Realize played at the Bluebird, I was front and center. I was digging on some Kelsey back in the day with Realize. Hey JMV, I just listened to your interview with Shane Steichen and wanted to say I really enjoyed it. Nice flow and good questions. Really liked his answers. Seems like he's genuine, laser-focused guy. Yeah, there's um, <laughs> there's not a lot of long-winded, winded answerage going on there. There's not. I would bet if you go back, there are probably two or three answers to my questions where he went longer in than fifteen or twenty seconds in his answer most of them are like 10 seconds or less and i mentioned that yesterday because watching the press conference and the way that he responded to questions and then you know i listened to matt taylor and jj stankovitz do their thing over at the colts complex and I, i thought to myself yeah you're going to have to be loaded up so i was actually working like three and four questions ahead now will that change because i wondered this And I didn't ask him this yesterday, but I wondered this. I was actually talking to Jake Quarry last night, and I said, I bet you he has not done very many, if any, radio interviews. Like where he's on his phone talking to me. Now, he obviously was with Matt and JJ. They were in studio, so there's that, that back and forth. And I think Jake and Kevin will have Shane Steichen at the Combine when it's here in town in a couple of three weeks. So that's, that's a little bit more comfortable when you're sitting across from somebody like that. But I bet you that's the first time or one of the first times he'd ever done anything radio-wise like that on the phone. I'm just guessing. I just am guessing there's probably not been a lot of opportunities for the offensive coordinator, the Eagles, to be put into that interview position. Again, guessing. But no, he did get straight to the point Each and every time. And if you missed any of it, the podcast is up 107.5thefan.com. Shane Steichen on the show from yesterday. To the point, indeed. Quick birthday shout-out. Jim McCann in Southern California is an everyday P1 listener to this show. And I certainly thank him for that. And he's an everyday P1 listener. I should say, in this case, every Saturday, P1 listener and participant to the JMV Takeover on B105.7. He is a lover of sports in central Indiana, in the state of Indiana. Jim McKinn is in Southern California. You've probably heard the name before. Jim is celebrating his birthday today, and happy birthday to Jim. Absolutely outstanding. It's from Rex Hampton. So Trace is not the first or the second best player in the country? Has Mike DeCoursey even watched IU this year? Yeah, he didn't. Now, in the Big Ten, yes. Because I asked the question, do we see front and center here, player of the year in the Big Ten, being an Edie and Trace kind of show, and are we seeing that now on a national level, was the comment. And he didn't necessarily, he being Mike DeCoursey, believe that Trace – was right up there at number two right now but it's an interesting question to ask and certainly an even more interesting question to ponder you know whether or not he is up there they're up there together hey jmv did you see where the northwestern folks apologized for what the fans the students last night were chanting to miller cop i did I think the quote is this. The language used violated our collective commitment to sportsmanship and was offensive to many members of our community. We cannot tolerate this type of behavior in our venues. Chris Collins, that was, by the way, a quote from a press release they sent out today. And then Chris Collins was asked the question on the press conference last night and uh, said he didn't like it either. So, I I don't know. I I don't know. Did they not? clearly was watching wasn't there did they not give some sort of announcement and say hey uh, hey Jack Watch, can you be quiet with that I, I don't know if this is good or bad and i guess it's probably bad but more times than not you just come to expect that's that's where we are right some are going to say hey it's not that big of a deal it's just words others are going to say it's embarrassing um I think you gotta go ahead and find yourself a little in between spot right there. I don't know it's not likely it's gonna go away. Right, Chris Collins was talking about last night how he and Miller Cop are still tight and how Miller Cop will always be a, a part of that program. Again, easy to say, but you know. If you're a former Northwestern player and you bail, I don't know if the same would be had if if they would match up against, uh, what's what's his name, Young, who's at Duke, and then uh, Pete Nance is at North Carolina. I don't know if the, uh, a similar thing would happen. I'm assuming so. But uh, that was an, uh, um, not so much an apology, but the uh, damning of the consistency of the chance, which was blank you, Miller Cop, last night. Yeah, Wells Ryan Arena. SPT chimes in with this. Sad to hear the passing of Tim McCarver, but he annoyed me to no end on the broadcast. If I had to hear one more story about Bob Gibson or Steve Carlton, I was going to put a pencil into my eardrum. Man, SPT, now is not the time. The guy passed away today, and he is one of the all-time greats. No matter what you think about his sixty stories of pitchers that he has caught for. All-time great. Now, again, I'm a little bit angled because he was certainly the soundtrack, the voice of one of the better seasons, one of my favorite seasons of all time, 1990 Reds Wire to Wire. But still, for how many years was he the voice in baseball? On these broadcasts, he is a baseball Hall of Famer for a reason, broadcast Hall of Famer for a reason, and uh, he will be missed. I absolutely loved it. And then I was reminded by R.D. how he was on the show at my other gig at the other station back in the day. I brought him on because he wanted to prop up a country music album that he had just produced, written and produced, I imagine. And we ended up talking at great length about baseball as well. But he's just one of those voices. You got McCarver to me. You get Vince Scully, Joe Garagiola, Tony Kubek, whom I loved. Joe Morgan. I love Joe Morgan doing baseball games. A lot of Reds fans didn't like Joe Morgan doing baseball games. I love Joe Morgan doing baseball games. But Tim McCarver for me is right up there. Right up there. He passes away today at the age of 81. Tony's at 239-1070. Tony, jump on the show here. How are you? Good, you? Great. Go ahead.
6: Uh, my first, like, intro question, not the main one. Mm-hmm. Where is Trace projecting right now to go in the draft? Where is who? Trace Jackson Davis projecting in the draft.
4: Uh, last I looked, and it's been about three weeks. It was at the tail end of round one. Okay.
6: Yeah. Um, after the whole T.J. leave. Ananobi experience as an IU and a Pacer fan and watching a guy in our state for years that was really good.
5: We have three first-round picks. Do you think he's a potential fit at the four? I
4: think think it's going to be a team that views him as a rim runner, a defensive player, um, and that to me would always dictate a team that's already solidly well-built, already on the winning track, which to me would not include the Pacers right now. That's kind of how I view it. Like, I view at it, you know, at the end of round one, it's going to be a team that's already solidified, already going into the postseason, probably deeply into the postseason. Somebody that would add his athleticism to their bench, again, as a rim runner or something like that. I don't know who would stand out with that right now, but to me, that would be a normal piece of the puzzle Well, Trace Jackson Davis would fit more so than with a team like the Pacers. And also keep this in mind, and he's not said this, and who knows, but he does have the option to return if he wants and with the nil money that's out there it may end up being more prevalent for him than where he ends up draft wise maybe in the second round or whatever but no seriously to me He ends up someplace, if he gets drafted, for example, where it's predicted by some at the end of round one with a really good NBA team already solidified and then just can kind of make his way with his own niche with that team. That probably would better benefit him anyway.
6: Right. I just think we have two late-round, first-round picks coming up, so I thought there might be a chance. I would wonder, yeah,
4: yeah, Pat, Tony, I'm a homer. Yeah, Tony, and thank you very much. I'm glad that you are too because I love the fact that he's getting the accolades that he deserves right now. I got sick and tired of having to fight people off for so many years. Oh, he's soft, always this, always that. He was never enough, and now you see he's enough. And I know that he had a bad first half, but, man, he carries this team game in and game out, and he did down the stretch of that game. And had there been a better lob pass to him where he was open for a dunk, things maybe were different. I don't even look at it as the boo-booey push-off for the game winner. I look at it more. That, that lob opportunity was right there. And not only did it miss, it missed like it hit the top of the backboard. But he has been nothing short of Spectacular. Chris and Jim with me on the other side. Mike Chappell, top of the hour. This is 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
0: Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.
1: The Ride with JMV.
2: The sportos, motorheads, geeks, sluts, bloods, wastoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude.
1: 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan.
4: James over there, I'm John. Thank you for joining us. Getting back to that question regarding Trace. Do I think he can play in the NBA? Absolutely. I was just outlining to you what I think is his best opportunity to get in and to see some success and where where I think he would end up being drafted. And my thought is he would end up being drafted or you know maybe there's a trade. Who knows? But to me, where he's going to be drafted, it would be a team that is uh, well established. And I think that that would be a help for him. Our friend Alex Golden from Setting the Pace writes this, TJD is a special player, and I don't say that lightly. Outside of his lack of shooting, I believe he can carve out a place in the NBA. He's a steal of the draft candidate for me. And I hope that to be the case. I just want to see him get someplace to where not everything is on him and he can get established with a little bit of help while also being able to to show what he can do. I just think that's where he's going to end up in a draft with a team that is that's already well established. But I, I mean, make no mistake about it. There there are guys like that, and he certainly it's it's unfair to like I was going to to give you a guy that I like a great deal and I like coming out, but he does have a less than mid range type of face up game, like a guy like Brandon Clark that I like coming out of Gonzaga. That the Pacers could have drafted, but they didn't. And he is a great fit in Memphis. He doesn't do a lot of facing up, to my knowledge, but he does do a lot of rim running, uh, gives or check that gives Memphis a lot of second chance opportunities, can D up, is incredibly athletic. And Trace is left-handed, which just completely whacks out everybody, which I love. And with his left hand he his left hand you you know how athletic he is his left hand is an absolute hammer it just gets up above everybody in college basketball but that's just kind of how i want to see it go for him and certainly hope it does Uh, chris before the top of the hour break go ahead hey jmv how's it going i'm great go ahead
3: um I think, I think DeCourcy has no clue what he's talking about. The, Trace Jackson Davis is the best in college basketball. The question that people always wonder, oh, what's he going to do in the NBA? No, the question is, is he the best in college ba- In college basketball, yes, he's the best. There's just no comparison. You
4: think but he's above Edie right now?
3: I do. I just, I do. Like, the only thing Zach Edie is good at is he can drop the ball in, like the Bozo the Clown Show. Like, that's the only thing he can do, but... Um, Another couple things is Tucker Barnhart is a cub. I love that.
4: Yeah, that's brutal. Yeah, great. It's great. uh, I'm sorry. I say brutal? I meant great. And
3: and going back to yesterday's show, you were dogging Michigan as a state to go to. Why don't you Google Torch Lake?
4: Torch Lake? What is it, like an ashtray with water?
3: Torch Lake. T-O-R-C-H. It is the third nicest body of water in the United States. I don't know where... I don't know where you go on vacation, but you you bring it to any. You go to the Bahamas. You go to any ocean, Torch Lake.
4: All right. I'm going to look Torch up Lake. this Torch Lake place.
3: Listen to this. You can walk out a mile in water that is knee-deep, and there's bars and restaurants.
4: All right. Torch Lake. Where are we here on Torch Lake? I'm looking, Chris, on Torch Lake. Where in the it's hell is Torch, Torch Lake? Google and do images. That is, uh, yeah, I right. well, that's way up there. That's Canada.
3: Yeah. That's not Canada, bud. That's
4: <laughs> it's uh, gay, it's, hey, it's better than Florida. I, oh, come and, on, man. Hey, I will I'll say you this. What, you I, can I go up there. You can go up there. And you know, first of all, I mean, what month are you going to walk out on the water when it's not frozen over?
3: Like I July, I, I don't know his name, but in your territory, there's a center grove soccer coach i I want to say his name's miles, or I don't know his i think it's miles, but he owns a house on Torch Lake, but he's a I think he's a girls soccer coach at Center Grove. um but he said we kept my family kept vacation in Florida and we decided to go to Michigan. He huh. said we've never been back to Florida since
4: Torch Lake I will say this you can fire up a dube when you walk out on one of those sandbars up there. <laughs> I mean,
3: there you go. But <laughs> hopefully the Pacers end up with Trace. That would be that'd be a cool story. But the thing is what sucks is you got guys like Keelan Martin who gosh, the guy could put the ball in the bucket and he's out of the league.
4: Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, you, yeah, that's, why I, that's why I said, and Chris, thank you for the call. Find a niche. I, I just want to see him be able to find a niche. I think it'd be better for him to find a niche with an already established team. That was just my thought there. Torch Lake. Somebody tell me about Torch Lake. Is it ever not covered in ice? Quick break. We'll come back. Mike Chappell and more. Mike Sanford, former Indiana State coach, was the first ever to hire as a coach Shane Steichen. Mike's going to join us. Bottom of the hour. 93.5107. one oh seven. Five the fan
2: Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
1: The ride with JMV.
3: We have the Holy Hand grenade. Yes, of course! The Holy Hand Grenade of Antioch. Right.
6: One, two, five. Lisa, three!
1: 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan.
4: Shane Steich in yesterday's conversation, podcast 107.5, thefan.com. Rick Venturi was here, too, for an entire hour of gloriousness. Mike DeCorsi. Big Ten Network, a little bit earlier today. Mike Sanford, who once upon a time, while at UNLV, coached. Shane Steichen, and also brought him in for the first time as a coach or helped bring him in when he was on the staff down in Louisville in 2010. And then Shane Steichen actually turned down Indiana State when Mike Sanford got that gig in Terre Haute. And that's one of the reasons why I'm a little bit skeptical. I'm just joking that's not. (laughs) It should be. Thank you, by the way. Litzy sent me a picture of... uh, Torch Lake Sandbar. And while it looks like a spectacular party, I do have to ask the question, where is everybody peeing? There's not a bathroom in sight here. Where where, where are you peeing? Biggest question. Uh, JMV Chris's Bozo the Clown reference makes me think he doesn't know how difficult the grand prize game really was. Yeah, I know. Chris took a shot. Chris mentioned, I don't know who the uh, the soccer coach is at Cinegro. I'm going to go over there tonight. Like 9,000 dudes play in, in the sack, and I know you're going to giggle about that. Yeah, we're all going to play in the sack. <laughs> you know, I'm right there with you. I'm giggling, too. The Student Athletic Center, which is the field house. I don't know if anybody's seen this or not. Center Grove has the most ridiculous natatorium you will ever see. It is ridiculous. I don't even know if they're any good at swimming. I don't know if anybody swims there, but it's like there. It's like a water and diving boards. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. I don't know. the uh, the I'm not very... Soccer-oriented down there. They don't invite me to their functions. Basketball people do sometimes. The great Bo Barrett, the hardwood club, occasionally will invite me. But I don't, yeah, not too much in the know in soccer down there. But, man, their their natatorium swimming facility is incredible. And, again, like I thought, do you guys even have a swim team? I didn't even know. Mike Chappell, CBS 4 and Fox 59, is joining us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group the pot line. How you doing, Mike? Good, how are you? So Jim Bob Cooter could reemerge back in <laughs> India again. That's a hell of a homecoming.
8: What was it like, eighteen or nineteen? He was here. Was that what it was? Or? I thought it was like oh eight, uh, like maybe what? Well, I mean, uh, yeah, twelve got, or something. Was, yeah, right. he, I think, yeah, because I thought he was here with, with Peyton for a little bit. Jim Bob Cooter. Yeah. Yeah, I know the names you don't forget. He said, yeah, yeah, I just don't know what names he was here, but he was Yeah,
4: there. there's so many rea- – well, you can just take it a variety of ways. Jim Bob, the Waltons, Cooter, Dukes of Hazard, Cooter, other things, Jim Bob, Southern Indiana. I mean, it's, it is just endless, the things you can talk about with that name.
8: Yeah, I, that's one of you – I'd go back to my folks and say, and you were thinking a lot when you named me Jim Bob. You know, well, James Robert was it James Robert and his Jim Bobber? You know, I'll
4: be honest with you.
8: When you're born
4: with a last name Cooter, it really doesn't matter what
8: the hell yeah, they name you. You're already got two strikes against <laughs> <laughs> you. Hey, anything, I'm Cooter. Anything <laughs> they do, anything you do, it's not going to work. I've come across two or three names like that in my career. Yeah. Even at Anderson. There were some people, up in the lapel and it just didn't. Work. Yeah, it's you know thanks, Dad, but. No thanks. Hey, I didn't. You, you can't disguise that last name at all. You're right. Yeah, I, I did want
4: to ask you this because you, you've been so long up at Anderson and and covering the high school level, and you brought this up via Twitter after Northwestern upset Purdue on Sunday. Is it weird for you to watch Brooks Barnheiser play for Northwestern, considering that you used to watch his dad play? And, and Mark is a tremendous friend of mine who is right. still now the head coach at Lafayette Jeff, and I know that Brooks only had two points last night but he has been significant he had 19 against ohio state last week significant in what this northwestern team has turned into and it's really cool to see
8: i tell you in my years in anderson it was like a golden age of basketball we had indiana all-stars with ray, and mr basketball with ray talbert rick lance and all these guys at anderson and and, and, and the counties were great with, with lapel and Franklin and and people, and Barnheiser, he, he can simply shoot. He, he can shoot. Uh, but, yeah, and then you see their, their kids play. And it first hit me how oh, it's been probably eight or ten years ago when, when Blackman, when, when James Blackman was coming yeah. through Marion and scored like 56 or 58 to break his dad's record. Well, I was there when his dad set the record. Uh, against Anderson like in a semi-state or something back whatever whatever year that would have been. So in, in all the teagues that are running around, uh, I, I, I covered his dad, Sean, at Anderson. So it's just crazy that that. You know, I guess if you live long enough, that stuff starts happening. But, again, I, whenever I see that, I, I, I still see Mark are raising up and, and shooting – uh, too bad they didn't have threes back oh, yeah. there, and, yeah. and he probably had maybe five assists for his career. <laughs> you know, he's a shooter. Well, yeah, like like all those guys, they're shooters. Yeah. And why would I give it to you when I know I can hit this There's, shot?
4: There, no doubt, that's that was his philosophy too. And he he has he has been one of over his career the best coaches in the state of Indiana. I mean, he's he simply I know, I and I, I've, I've seen it firsthand.
8: There, What's that? I didn't I didn't know he was still at Lafayette, Jeff. Yep, he's still there.
4: He is still there. Braxton, his his uh first son plays at Trinity. I believe, is that uh, D2? A, I forget what that is, but Braxton, a great kid. Actually, Brooks and Braxton are tremendous. And Braxton is still playing, and Brooks plays at Northwestern, and Mark is still coaching. And uh, he's he's one of the – and I, I've seen it again firsthand – one of the best coaches to ever coach in this state. And regardless of what – well, you know, what about you know the titles or what about this? Nah, and he has been everywhere, from my high school at Eastern Green to Westfield – um to Elkhart Memorial to Lafayette Jeff um he was coaching down in Alabama for a number of years he, he just has been one of the elite level coaches and still is
8: what limited him getting uh I, I guess winning titles and all that at lapel is that's back when they were was it was one class so 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 they I don't care how good lapel is and they were always good with People are, from Anderson that know Dally Hunter was the head coach, Dallas Hunter. He was a great guy. so many personalities, but they fit into Anderson. And I don't care how good Daleville or Franklin or Pendleton Heights or somebody was, they've got to go to the wigwam and play, you know, the big guys. Yeah. And it, just, it was just hard. It was hard. But that's why I, I still say one-class basketball was people who, who haven't experienced it don't know what it was. Because it was great, and when it, when a small school upset a Richmond or an Anderson, Heiser Highland, or a Marion or a Muncie Central, it, it made there, it, it made everything. So, but but I, I I kind of understand why they've done what they did, but nothing will replace the one class and what those guys, the Barnheisers and all those guys had, had to fight against. When they were playing in
4: high school, And believe me too. Um, it's not with Mark James, but Perry Meridian had been one of the softest places in the world, and he got there and and turned that thing around too on Indy South Side. He's he's just been right. he had been great. I believe twice he got to the semi state once with El Car Memorial and once with Lafayette Jeff. I think both times he got to the semi state and got turned away by Carmel, a couple yeah. of Carmel teams. So
8: it, it, it's just kind of cool. And Barnhouse again. Uh, I'm certainly not nearly as close to him as you are, but, but I, I run into him from time to time. He's just a great guy, and I, it, whenever I see those guys, it, it just it just flashes back to the guys I, I dealt with: uh, Ray Talberts and Stu Robinson, Winston yep. Morgan, and all those guys, and David Held, uh, you know, the late Norm Held's son. So, just a great time, and uh, but good good for Mark and, and good for his son.
4: Yeah, no doubt about that. Brad and Brooks, Brooks and Braxton both uh, just in, incredible kids, no doubt about that. It's Mike Chappell. I right, I had Shane Steichen on yesterday. Uh, it is uh, quick and to the point. It's not like that he doesn't answer the questions, but there's there's not a lot of there's not a lot of words in the answering of the questions here. I just I mentioned that to him yesterday. I, that's just how he's wired. I don't think it has as much to do with he's probably hasn't done a lot of radio interviews in his life to this point i think it has less to do with that than it does he just gets to the point quickly and then moves on
8: well and also he's just still settling in i i, I would like to think that once we start getting him every you know monday wednesday friday and all that during a season or even more than that during training camp that we'll get more expansive answers right now he's just sort of got like he's juggling like five things that are going on i assume his family i assume his family's back in philly i don't know i mean how do you how do you not only kind of settle into a new job but then handle your wife and two young kids and where are they going to stay there for a while so he's got a lot of stuff going on but that did strike me when when we we had the presser on tuesday is he went on and on and on emotionally when he's thinking you know 500 people which is what you you do in that situation and then when it came to really really what what the media would like to know it was really kind of short and sweet which is fine that's fine but uh yeah i'm looking forward to seeing how he is uh as as he sort of settles in and warms up and but it's 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 he's got to be the guy he's got to be the guy and Whoever it is in April's got to be the guy, and if, that, if those two decisions work, this franchise is in pretty good shape. So, if it doesn't?
4: Yeah, I, um, yeah, it, you're right about that. It, Mike Chappell joins us. Um, I, I mentioned this because Chris Ballard, before introducing him a couple of days ago. Um, says we see the same thing and i tweeted that out and it scared the crap out of everybody right because you you, you kind (laughs) of (laughs) exactly it it can't be about Uh, one guy uh, you you don't yeah you don't want anymore it can't be about one guy being the quarterback and it's uh, built on either side of the line here blah 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 all that crap that's led to really no results here um but i'm hoping we're hoping for a change in philosophy. Do you think we're going to get that with who they hired and the general manager who has been set in his ways but has little results to back that up?
8: Yeah, I mean, go back to 18 with Andrew Luck, and I'm not comparing the quarterback they get this year to Luck at all. But, boy, they threw the ball all over the place, and that was his best year, really. So, with Frank, so they can do it. But but he's going to tailor this around what the quarterback does. And, no, oh, by the way, they've got Jonathan Taylor, who is only the best or the second best running back in the league. So it, there's not a coordinator or a head coach on the planet that's going to have Jonathan Taylor and have him run for 700 yards. It ain't going to happen, barring injuries. So he'll use what, what he has and maximize that. But they've got to get the offensive line fixed. I mean, we're not breaking ground here. They've got to get the O line fixed. They've got to get another couple of receivers. I mean, I mean, not you know. They claimed a the guy off waivers today from New England. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about guys, you know. And they turned Michael Pittman into a possession guy last year, nine point three or whatever it was a catch, and that's not who he is. That's not who you need him to be. So get a few things fixed and get the. Get the the coach to be aggressive, which you know he that. You, you throw to score and, and you run to win. And in the past, at least at least last year, they couldn't do that. Now with Winston they were pretty good throwing the ball, but you've got to have the right things in place. And and also, which we'll talk about more in the next month or two, is who's going to be that bridge veteran quarterback to help the the the, the, the rookie. You know, transition to the NFL. I, I can't. Imma- I just can't imagine they're going to draft a guy and throw him out there and say play. All right, now maybe they do, but I just don't think that's what you do. So you know, Gardner Minshew comes to, to mind, obviously since he was there in Philly. But you've got to have somebody to help this young quarterback kind of get his feet wet. All right. Speaking of young quarterback. Jim Mercer kind of set the
4: stage and then yeah, either trolled, doubled. I don't know what he was doing with the Chicago thing yesterday tweet-wise. I'm assuming kind of trolling everybody out there, right? But uh, Rick Venturi was on the show yesterday, and, and he, like me, I have said you can't settle. And, you know, ultimately we don't really know if they settle, but Rick says if the best quarterback is Bryce Young in the draft and near the Colts, you make sure you go up, make a deal with Chicago, and get Bryce Young with number one overall. How much of that – hypothetically, do you think is in play
8: here? It's got to be everything. Oh, you mean, with the, they're going back and forth because Chris, they like trade back. Right, right. So you know. Well, no, I'm just talking yeah, that, about how, that, that, how
4: much of a thought do you think it is, legitimately it is, for them the to trade, trade with Chicago and to move up?
8: Oh, it, that's got to be top of the list. I just – the, the only thing is, and we're going to get deluged with with all the, the, the draft analysts about – which quarterbacks first, second, third, and fourth, and, and how they go and the strengths. You know, because now, now everybody will start cutting these quarterbacks apart. You build them up and then you tear them down. But the only thing that matters is, is how does Ballard and, and Steichen and, and, and their guys evaluate these guys. It could be totally different. Maybe they think Anthony Richardson is the best prospect. But, but if you have decided that this guy, whoever it is, is the guy, and there's a decent gap between him and two, three, and four, you you go to one to get him because you, you you just can't. If I'm Chris Ballard, I want my guy so that, you know, I guess I'll go down swinging if it doesn't work. At least it's my guy that didn't work. It's not like, well, we settled, we stayed at four, we got what was left, and darn, it didn't work. No, go, go and get your guy. Now, I kind of thought that maybe there's got to be a, a grunt level to what you won't give up, but probably not. I, I just think you go and do it. I think what have I seen of flip first round give them a give, give them a second round and maybe next year's first round, you know, is that enough? I don't know. What everybody's got to keep in mind is what if Houston sees there's one guy that they really, really want, Bryce Young, Stroud, whomever. Well, they're at two. And maybe they trade with Chicago. And draft capital-wise, the, the Texans have, have more to give up than the Colts do. So, you know, m- maybe you're only going to get the second-best guy anyway because Houston may go to, to one. And if, then if the Chicago's at two, you trade to two. You, you just have to, to, to make it as a strong an opportunity as possible uh, because this, this has got to be right. You've got to get, we, we've talked forever. They've got to get off this carousel. You've got to have your young guy, you know, know that next year's probably going to be, you know, m- maybe a rough year just because of who you bring in as a veteran quarterback and getting this guy ready. But you've got to have, I think the fans, and we've talked about this, I think the fans, the fan base, will be okay with a tough year. If you see you've got the guy, you can build around. And remember and again I'm not comparing, but Peyton's first year was three and thirteen. You know, and then they took off. But it, it, it's to think they're gonna come in and turn this thing around right, right away is not realistic. But boy, you gotta do whatever you can to get your guy, whoever that is, to sit there at four and take what and take what's there. It makes zero sense. And I say trade at Chicago at one. Or if Houston gets there ahead of you, you trade with Chicago or two. And almost whatever you have to give up, you do it because you've got to get your guy.
4: Yeah, Houston, by the way, in that situation. Because of that win in the final week of the season here is pretty funny. you got to admit. Oh, I know. That is pretty funny. I
8: know. And if, we've always talked, this league does not reward nope. bad. It rewards really bad. And what better way for a season to end than to lose and the last game on you know the last few seconds to a team that everyone was considered was the worst team in the league, and here you are you couldn't you couldn't beat them, you were oh one and one against them for last year for crying out loud, but it, but at least that puts you in the best position. I, I, I said and I, and I believe this: if they don't fire Frank and he sticks with Matt Ryan, interceptions and turnovers and all, there they could easily I, I can easily argue eight eight and one i really can
4: well yes i i think to me i think we may have talked about this last week you beat which easily you could have and you should have minnesota you beat dallas or a combination of that win at home against philly where you could have and jeff saturday pittsburgh. is your coach right now and we're not even talking pittsburgh about shane steigen
8: pittsburgh and houston yeah uh and it would have been the worst thing to happen to him you know, unless they unless they, it, it, things play out and they win the division, then you're in the playoffs. Then, then it's okay. But to, to be eight eight and one and not make the playoffs and needing a quarterback, you're screwed. You're just screwed. So so it, it worked out. It, it was awful in the moment, but it really worked out in the long term best for the franchise. Although again, in the moment you don't think that, but it it really did.
4: So you think Jeff Saturday's the co-chair if they win one or two more games during that no. stretch?
8: No, you don't think so. I just,
4: I, just, I do. I I I'm sorry, I do. I think he's the co. I think that wow. needed. I think that needed to justify. I think two wins more would have justified. I think everything aligned for Jim not to be overruled, but to have a then change who of heart.
8: And who would have been your GM? Now, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I mean, no.
4: Well, we'd have been talking about, we'd have been talking about a wide variety. So you don't think had they won a couple of more games there down the stretch, that that Jim Irsay would have said, okay, Jeff, take the reins over. I mean, if it wasn't as bad as it was, I do.
8: You don't? Yeah, but it, all, all the problems would have still been there. I mean, and, and you still would have had these these the thirteen coach at prospects and the eight the second round. You'd still have all those really, really good resumes. You'd still have Shane Steichen coming off the Super Bowl. I I just don't know, even if they win three or four with Jeff, I, I, I just don't
4: know how you sit there. They beat the two teams in the Super Bowl.
8: I know. And I know. I'm just. I, I know. I'm just.
4: I'm just. I guess what I'm trying to say, Mike, is I I view strongly how strongly Jim Irsey felt about Jeff Saturday, and I I, I wonder that. how painful it was for him to inform him that he was not going to be the guy moving forward, and they're going That's a different a
8: direction. And, and I'm guessing very painful. And, and I I think Jeff really really wanted it, and I'm sure Jeff was really really upset, disappointed that he didn't get it, but. But you know, again, let's come back to to, to planet Earth, and <laughs> <laughs> you just wait a you know, minute. Th- that's not where we live on this show, Mike. I all right, no, go ahead. And, and the problem is, every time this topic comes up, it sounds like I and, and a lot of us are just piling on Jeff, and and I don't mean to. I'm just saying that when you when you line up all these these prospects and these resumes and these candidates, and to think that that if if Jeff could have gone. Four and four i I, I don't know I, maybe you're right i just I just would have to think that 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 sanity would have ruled and Chris would have said, this is who we've got it's a great group and Jimmy I just you know i what was he said he uh I can't think of what the phrase was he used when when he uh when Jimmy broadman is an in, in, interim coach that it was unparalleled or whatever. Whatever the phrase was, and that's what this would have been as well. To me, even more so, even more so. But we'll never know. But I just, I just have to believe, knowing the way franchises are run, you just have to have more in your incoming head coach that than the, the unwavering trust of your own. Right? You just so I, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll never have. Not I guess. Right. We'll never. Have, we'll never know that. Uh, but it's a good topic for you.
4: <laughs> I just, well, that's, that's that's my belief. Until I I hear firmly, which likely will never happen, otherwise that is always going to be my belief, that one well, or two games which obviously they should have won would have been the difference in the coaches that we see now and the direction yeah, we
8: see. Yeah, uh, and, and again, I, uh, maybe, maybe. Again, uh, like I say, if they if they just go about their business and win two or three games that they should have, Houston, Pittsburgh uh, make make one play against Minnesota, one play on offense, whatever. And in Philly, you know, yep, they, they they had that long eleven play drive and con- converted like three third downs and a fourth down, make a play. But all the problems would still be here. There was some kind of a culture problem, and m- maybe Jeff could have turned that around. I don't know. I just would have had a hard time looking at Steichen and Raheem Morris and all these guys and say, "Yeah, we're going to go with this guy." I, and again, I, as much as I can say it, I don't mean to pile on, Jeff. I'm just looking at side by side resumes. All
4: right, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave us on planet Earth here because uh, we're all over the you, map.
8: You may never talk to us again. You <laughs> may
4: never talk to us again. Leave us on planet Earth. I, I just, um, I just there's there's a lot of this that. Um, I'm curious about, I guess.
8: Right? Well, we, so. we, know, we, we know what Jeff Saturday means to Jim Irsay. That's not fake. That, was that Well, that's why he was here for crying out loud. That's why he's here on coach. It's, yeah, I just – that's a place where I don't want my mind to go because I'd hate to have thought about that being – where this franchise would have gone, I just don't think it would have worked.
4: He is firmly on the ground in Beach Grove right now <laughs> on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. It's Mike Chapel of CBS Four and Fox fifty nine. By the way, some great articles that are up regarding the hiring of Shane Steichen and more. You can find on uh, the website CBS Four Fox fifty nine
8: I just got off the phone with uh, Philip Rivers. Do you really? Yeah, he called me back. Is he going to be he the offensive us. coordinator? It's funny. I said because he's you know he's the coach down there and. Or is it Miss Arkansas, wherever the hell it is, Alabama, what, yeah. whatever it is. I'll, but he said, "I'll squelch that rumor right now." He said, "His his son, I think it was Gunner, is going to be a uh, quarterback uh, as a as a, son, a freshman, and he he wants to be there to help him." So he said. Yeah, I'll, I'll shoot that down right now. So, no. No offensive coordination. Well, I said quarterback, John. Oh, you I said, oh, I, I said, didn't, I didn't said OC. The coordinator. Oh, yeah. But, OC. He said, neither
4: one. He, he said no. All right. Well, heck. I was going to lean there on that for a couple of weeks. There goes that. Thanks. I know. Well, you did. <laughs> well, it's, it's not
8: stopping you before, so just go ahead and- <laughs> Yeah
4: hey we'll be uh, reading about what you have with uh, Philip Rivers by the way I had when I had uh, Shane Steichen on yesterday it, the most he talked was regarding his relationship with Philip Rivers so I know yeah I know it the most so anyway always a pleasure buddy next week we'll do it again sounds good be well Mike Chappell of CBS4 and Fox 59 his first coaching hire he being Shane Steichen Louisville and he was brought there with Mike Sanford. Mike Sanford coached him at UNLV. Mike Sanford, the former Indiana State coach, will talk about that and more with us next.
0: Raise a spoon to grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-pa-pa-ba. participating McDonald's for a limited time.
2: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love
1: The Ride with JMV. And the beat goes on, yeah. And the beat goes on. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan.
4: Mike DeCoursey a little bit earlier. Purdue, 6.30 tonight. Boilermakers on the road in Maryland. Are you a loser last night in Evanston to Northwestern? Talked a little college hoop with Mike a little bit earlier. Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59 here as well. But on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, he was his coach while at UNLV. He was the guy that brought him into coaching as well. Asked him to go to Indiana State where uh, the new head coach now, Shane Steichen of the Colts, declined. I think it ended up going on the staff in Cleveland Mike Sanford, senior who is coaching out in the Las Vegas area in Nevada on the high school level right now, as I mentioned, the former head coach at UNLV and my alma mater, Indiana state joins us on the Andy Moore automotive group hotline. Mike, welcome to the show. How excited were you when you received the news that a former player and a coach along with you is the new head coach with the Colts?
6: Well, first of all, John, great to be on your show. And, uh, uh, I was very excited. I, I've kind of been following Shane, watching him as he's, as he's grown as a coach, and uh, it's been fun for me to watch. Uh, and, you know, I saw what was happening with the Eagles, and I kept telling uh, people around me and my wife that uh, there's a really good chance that Shane's going to get a head coaching job at the NFL right. this year. And uh, and I was very happy to hear that it was uh, the Indianapolis Colts. uh For me, which is in a state where I've coached at three different places. So uh, I'm I'm very excited for Shane, very proud of him, and he's very deserving and ready for this.
4: Mike Sanford seniors on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Podline. You probably heard this while you were on hold. Um, It was a promo we have where Shane Steichen goes over his four pillars. And he was on the show with me yesterday, and the first thing that – came to me in talking to him for the first time was how direct and to the point and how quickly he gets there in all phases. What comes to mind with you as a player, as a coach, what he's evolved into now when you're thinking about Shane Steichen?
6: Well, I think, you know, first of all, extremely hard worker, extremely bright. Uh, you know, was a, as a player, was a guy was a student of the game, loved the game um as a coach he was very detailed wanted to wanted to learn everything he possibly could and uh you know uh i got to know him really well because he when i was (laughs) i took him with me he was a graduate assistant with me at uh louisville uh after after unlv and uh He lived in our basement. My wife and I (laughs) lived in our basement for I I don't remember how long, a month or something like that, until he found a place to live. But he is just a a great person and, uh, you know, very detailed and just like you said, very much to the point and uh, cuts to the chase and and hits things uh, head on.
4: Did you see that develop in him? I mean, because you mentioned when he's living in your basement, I think that's a great spot for him because it seems like that he spends a lot of time in a basement like studying film and trying to figure out the best ways to score points on the opposing defense. So that seems like that that is perfect. But did you see what, what is now the evolution of him as a coach? Did you see that in the early stages? Did you think that was going to be his future? Well,
6: I you know, you never know that somebody's going to be the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts in the NFL, but at the same time I knew he was going to be a great coach and obviously if I, you know, I brought him with me, well I actually first I hired him as a GA at UNLV then brought him with me and then um tried to hire him when I got the job at Indiana State. So I, you know, I I saw great knowledge great ability to work with players and work with other coaches and a hunger to learn everything he possibly could learn about football and all those things put together make him uh you know a a great person uh for this job
4: i gave him a little bit of crap yesterday about the indiana state thing back in 2012 i said wait a minute what cleveland over Terre Haute? give me a break Come on! What a decision! <laughs> yeah,
6: I would. I, I think he, that you should have given him some. Crap. Yeah,
4: yeah. Can I mean, listen, I can give you all you need because I spent a great time in Terre Haute, going to Indiana State, and I love my alma mater a great deal. And I thought that that seems like that that would have been a really comfortable beginning for you. But no, seriously, it um, it, it's it's just interesting because that's what struck me as a guy that is just he, he's just hardcore focused on you know trying to to make his his offense much better than the opposing defense and um you yeah, know very very quick and to the point i guess mike when it comes right down to it with Shane Steigen.
6: yes and i i think not only will he uh be good at getting the offense where it is, where it needs to be but he'll be a good leader of that program he'll be really good with the players uh he'll be he'll be really good with you know i'm sure uh the Colts are, you know, we're gonna hire a really good defensive coordinator. He'll be good with the defense and special teams and also with personnel. There's a there's a you know, that's a big job. There's a lot of stuff, as we all know, that goes into that and I I think he's prepared himself well, been around some really good people and some really good organizations which are gonna help him uh be be great in that role.
4: Mike Sanford Sr., he's a former Indiana State coach, also spent time, I think, back in the late 80s, 87, 88, with Purdue as the quarterback's coach, was at Notre Dame uh, in the late 90s as well. So, yeah, you have a great deal, um, I'm assuming, right, a great deal of knowledge for the state of Indiana as a coach in the past.
6: Yeah, and I I love the state of Indiana. My wife and I uh, were there on three different occasions, three different uh, stints, and, uh, you know, we have nothing but great memories and, 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 love Indianapolis. Like obviously at Indiana state, uh, that was a huge area of focus for our recruiting was, uh, the city of Indianapolis. So, so I, you know, I love the state of Indiana and love Indianapolis.
4: Uh, Mike Sanford senior joins us before I let you go high school wise. Uh, I'm assuming faith Lutheran high school is in the, the Las Vegas area. Is that accurate?
6: Yes, it is. We're, uh, Faith Lutheran High School, we're a 5A team, which is the highest level of of football in, um, Las Vegas. We're on the Summerlin area for people that know much about Las Vegas. There's kind of on the Northwest side at Summerlin on the South side is Henderson. Uh, we're in Summerlin. Um, and, uh, this is kind of a, a different time in my life. I love coaching and, uh, what, had too much energy to retire uh but what didn't want to my wife and I moved 19 times so I wanted to have a little bit of stability <laughs> and uh so I'm I'm really enjoying this experience and loving it and uh and love just the interaction with the players combined with still being involved in the X and, X's and O's
4: yeah it, it, Mike Sanford senior joins us he, oftentimes it's described as you know you get a thirst to to coach. Um is is this quenching that thirst right now? Because I mean it does. The way you sound, it seems like this opportunity came along for you and your wife at a great time. Am I wrong?
6: Very much so. And we, you know, like it's funny because like Indiana, we're very familiar with uh Las Vegas because I was the head coach, as you mentioned yeah. earlier, at UNLV from oh two thousand five to two thousand nine. And so we, you know, it's, it's kind of like going back and seeing a bunch of people that we were with. I've hired a bunch of my former players, our coaching, uh, our coaches on our staff. And it's, it's a really, uh, it's a really comfortable, but, but challenging, uh,
4: uh, environment for me. Did Shane played for you at UNLV, correct? He did. He did. How was he as a quarterback?
6: He was really good. He was, uh, as you can tell, he hasn't changed much. He was tall and skinny, <laughs> and he's still tall and skinny. Yeah. Um, and but it's interesting for a guy that's that tall. Uh, he was very athletic. He w- he could run. He could scramble. Uh, he could you know extend plays. Uh, you know, and, and he was he he was a, a good decision maker and uh, was a really good leader on our
4: team. Yeah, yeah, we got into it just a little bit. I think El Dorado Hills, California, which is north of Sacramento, was his yep. high school, and you know, he, he was teammates with Austin Colley, and Austin Colley played here at wide receiver for uh, a handful of years as well and we talked a little bit about that relationship with with Austin Collie. in fact I think Austin Collie, when the Colts went to the Super Bowl and lost uh, in Miami to New Orleans uh, he had told me that uh, Austin Collie actually got him a ticket to go to that Super Bowl so kind of interesting the way yeah, things have a way to turn Austin around Kiley, like that
6: it's interesting because Austin Colley um, we part of our building the program at UNLV was to beat BYU, because we were in the same league with BYU and Utah and and TCU, as a matter of fact, in those days. And uh, we had a game at BYU, Uh, Austin Colley had about, I'm going to say, 15 catches for whatever, a lot of yards. And uh, they barely beat us, and it was because Austin Colley. They beat us like, I I think it was like 45-42 or 48-45, something like that. It was a very close game. But Austin Colley was a difference maker in that game.
4: You know, it occurs to me, Mike, before I let you go, when you took over at UNLV, I I believe you took over for John Robinson, right? Who's just absolutely – I did. Who's who's legendary. I I, got to know, you're taking over for a legend like that, a legend in football, you know, on every level, collegiately, NFL level. What was that like?
6: It was awesome. Uh, It's interesting. I played for John. I played for at at SC, I played quarterback. I played for John McKay and then John Robinson. And then I was a graduate assistant for John Robinson. So it was kind of interesting that I followed him. He retired and uh, I had the opportunity to follow him at at UNLV, which which was an awesome, uh, you know, transition, I guess is the best way of saying it for me.
4: It is amazing thinking about your career as a player and a coach. Um, I, I obviously you don't set out knowing what's going to happen, but it has, if you look back on this, have time to reflect where you are now, obviously coaching high school wise outside of Vegas and think of where you've been and in the lives that you've touched and what you've been a part of, because it is an amazing resume, Mike, it truly is.
6: Well, thank you for saying that. And I've, I've just had a blast uh, in the profession and I, I, I I love the game and I love the relationships and some of the relationships that I've built up over the years, like like with Shane, you know, are uh, are things that I treasure and I will continue to treasure
4: uh, for the rest of my life. No doubt about that. It's Mike Sanford senior, uh, coaching out of the Las Vegas area on the high school level. And, uh, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on and discuss your relationship in the past with Shane Steichen and your thoughts on that. I i tell you what, if I had more time, we would go deeper into your career as well, because, you know, as a player and as a coach, there's a lot of stuff there. I really enjoyed this conversation, Mike. Thanks for coming on.
6: Well, I enjoyed it too. And, uh, and as a as a former sycamore,
4: I wanted to just say, go Sycamore. You got you got. I tell you, another guy. Every time I have him on, because he does radio in Tennessee for the Titans. When I have Dave McGinnis on, always a sycamore is what he ends the conversation with every oh, time. Yeah, there you go. So, there it is. So and you, yeah. uh, yep, it's always always a sycamore. Hey Mike, thank you for the time. The best of luck, and uh, again, continue doing what you're doing, what you love to do. Thank you, and uh, great being on your show. It's uh, Mike Sanford Sr. right there, who is, again, coaching out of the Las Vegas area, uh, doing that on the high school level right now. You'll check out his resume sometime. And you know, he brought up being the quarterback at USC for John Robinson and John McKay. That is incredible. That is absolutely incredible. I wanted to get into that. We just don't have enough time. One of these times, I'm going to have to get him back on. Maybe when we get some body of work for Shane Steichen, we'll get him back on and talk a little bit more about that. That is an amazing career right there. Player collegiately and a coach. Mike Sanford Sr. on the Andy Moore automotive group hotline. Quick break. We'll come back. Jason Aldean tickets on the way as well. 93.5, 107.5. The fan
1: the ride with jmv say man you got a joint uh no not on me man (laughs) it'd be a lot cooler if you did (laughs) 93.5 and 107.5 the fan
4: yeah i should have asked him because his son mike sanford jr I believe just closed out on an interim basis. He was the coordinator, offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach in Colorado. And, of course, Deion Sanders took over that job. He was the interim head coach after the head coach was fired this past year. Yeah, I wonder. That's Mike Sanford Jr., who was a a part of Carl Durrell's staff. And when Carl Durrell was fired – During the season back in October at Colorado, he took over on an interim basis, and then Colorado hired Deion Sanders. But I should probably ask if his son has received any calls. (laughs) I'm just curious. But now Mike Sanford Sr., that was really good. I absolutely enjoyed that. So we shall see. Uh, Podcast will be up there for Mike Sanford Sr., who is uh, coaching right now at a high school out in Las Vegas and has a resume, an incredible collegiate resume. No doubt about that. So, yeah, I mean, again, thank you. It was just something I was looking this up um, regarding Shane Steichen. This goes back to 2012 you know turning down the opportunity to uh, go to Indiana state when well, I asked him that yesterday and I thought I'm going to get Mike Sanford on here if he has the time and yeah I'm glad I did that was really good all right Jason Aldean tickets by the way you just heard a Jason Aldean re-entry his show is coming up in September at Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center and a shout out shout out to uh those that are winning tickets, and a shout-out to Live Nation as well. Kyle and Jimmy and the gang always love the fact that they give away tickets weekly on this show because they know how much sports fans love music, and I mean all of music. Uh, Did Jason Ellis win this? Hey, Jason, did you finally get through? Absolutely. Are you happy? Three phones, but yeah. Oh, yeah. How many phones were you working there? Three? Three. Cell phone, way <laughs> another cell phone. Are you a big Jason Aldean fan? Uh, Yeah, we saw him a couple years ago. Awesome. Well, I'm glad you got through. I know I've, I've seen you on Twitter working earlier this week. I'm glad you got through. This is the first time ever anybody's ever used three phones to do this, though. That's impressive.
7: Whatever it takes.
4: My brother, I'm going to put you on hold. You can talk to James in a minute. we got another pair to give away tomorrow. That's the first time anybody's used or at least told me they've used three phones to win tickets like that. Congratulations to Jason. Let's get James on board before the end of the show. James, did I leave you on hold yesterday? Yeah, it's okay though. My bad. Go ahead.
5: Well, I'm only using one phone, so I feel a little. Uh, <laughs> but I've never, you know, uh, I've
4: never heard anybody using three phones. So, Ed.
5: Hey, I mean, more power to him. You know. So yep. uh, I do want to say real quick, longtime listener. Uh, never, you know, first-time caller to be honest, and uh, I just I, I appreciate what you bring to the airwaves three times every day. That's nice. Um, it's it's just it's it's, it's uh, we're we're lucky. So thank um, you. Real quick, uh, speaking on the Colts, uh, I'm just hoping that we make a good transition philosophically from a team that thought we were just a quarterback away to a team that's ready to develop one. Uh, Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning, you know, they were can't miss prospects. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of talent in this pool. Uh, coming up, but I don't know if they're, you know, home runs, you know what I mean? So.
4: Yep. Yep. Hey, James, thank you very much for what you said, and you call anytime. Appreciate you. Will do. Well done right there. Jason Ellis, congratulations. James, working the show as the producer, doing a great job today. Mike DeCourcy, Mike Chapel, and Mike Sanford Sr. Podcast 107. fythefancom the fan.com. Shane Steichen, Colts coach Rick Venturi, also a podcast there. We'll finish out the week for you coming up tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Boiler, turtle recap tomorrow at 3. Be here.
0: Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.